from Boca Raton, Florida, this is Behind the Bima. On this episode, the rabbis are joined by their most important guests yet, their wives. Yocheva Goldberg, Ariel Moskowitz, and Simone Brody introduce themselves to the audience, talk about how they balance their many responsibilities, and discuss the advantages and challenges that come with their rabbits and roles. Plus, an extended visit from much more of the BRS team, Rabbi Dr. David and Rebetzin Monica Shabtai, Rabbi Rael and Rebetzin Eliza Blumenthal, Rabbi Simcha Shabtai, Rabbi Rob Shur, and Jeffrey Goldgrab all join to talk about their jobs and their lives and answer some listener questions. All this and more, Behind the Bima. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Wednesday night, 9 p.m. That means it's time to go where? Behind <laughs> the Bima. Wait With the Rebetzin. Mr. Q there. Show. Always, Rabbi Brody, you're always right on cue, right on time. We are very, very excited for a very special edition of Behind the Bima with our dear friends. We are welcoming tonight onto the program our Rebitsons, our wives, and uh, we're going to be welcoming other rabbis and Rebitsons of the Boca Raton Synagogue, part of our local BRS community and our BRS global community. We are super excited. The truth is that tonight... You know, almost as just a continuation from last week because we set a record behind the Bima last night, last uh, week rather. It was a behind the Bima marathon telethon. Not going to sell anyone out. It's possible someone was texting, they needed a bathroom and begged to end the episode. Otherwise, we would have gone straight from last Wednesday night all the way into this Wednesday night. But anyway, it's great to be back together again. Another week, so much going on in the world, so much going on in our world. We have the greatest guests we've ever had tonight. So excited to be able to welcome them and excited to be together with you, our dear friends, and hoping that you will uh, submit questions and comments, what you want to hear from our wives, our Rebitsons, what you want to hear from the other rabbis. We have so much to talk about. But first... We have to acknowledge and thank our sponsors yet again, second week in a row, dailygiving.org. Dailygiving.org is an amazing organization. It enables Jews to give tzedakah easily from anywhere. All you need to do is go on the website, get the app. You can simply give a dollar a day, and that will add up and translate. Dailygiving.org gave out well over a million dollars last year to all legitimate, excellent, well-deserving charities. Soon it will include the Boca Raton Synagogue. Not yet, but it will. So while you're listening to us, if you're listening on an iPad, if you're listening on a computer, if you're watching some people, you know, turn it on on their, on their TV and their den or family room or even bedroom. People tell me they broadcast behind the Bima on their TVs. I have no idea how to do that. But if you're on some other device, take out your phone, go on dailygiving.org and sign up, take advantage. So huge thank you to Dr. Donath, our good friend, and dailygiving.org, an outstanding organization. And thank you for that sponsorship. Gentlemen, what's going on? My, my kids wife. wanted to know, was I, was I more nervous tonight or for the mom's night? Or was I mm. more nervous bringing the Rebitsons on or was I more nervous for Mother's Day and we had the moms on? That's what my kids wanted to know in our house tonight. And what's the answer to that question? I'm not nervous at all. I think it's great. It's going to be good fun. I can't wait to introduce the rest of our staff. You know, everyone sees to everyone gets to see us kibitz each week um, and have a good time together. And it'll be exciting to s- invite the rest of the team on to that experience right. and, and let the world see the dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people have said to us, where are the other rabbis? Why haven't they made an appearance behind the beam? But the truth is, they are so big. And our Rebitsons, they're such a big name, such great guests, that we had to build up. 
We had to have judges and owners of NFL teams. We had to have, uh, you know, mega media stars and leading politicians and candidates for prime minister of Israel. And only once we had that foundation were we ready to be able to bring that. It might even be too soon now. It might be too soon now. But it's not that we've been waiting. It's that we need to build up you, the audience, to be able to uh, to bring them on. Well, Brody, I'll just Rabbi Brody. yeah, I'll just say you know you asked Rabbi Moskowitz, was he more nervous to bring on his his, his wife or his mom? I I'm going to ask it a little differently. You know, who's more nervous, my mom or my wife? Let's just say one of them is staring at me right now, right over there. <laughs> yeah. And here's one, a real question because yeah. the questions are coming in in the comments already, fast and furious, and keep them coming. We're really excited. So, uh, our dear friend Rabbi Pesach Somer, a former resident of Boca Raton, Boca Raton Synagogue, wants to know if our wives are ever horrified by what we share on Behind the Bima. So, what I want to know is are we allowed to, after tonight's episode, give all of our feedback to them about what they said, <laughs> didn't say, should have said, what words they repeated or always use? Or how much time they gave Rabbi Brody or anything like that. <laughs> that would not be wise. I could, I could tell you that much. That would not be a wise thing to do afterwards. That would not be the wise thing to do. All right, gentlemen, are we ready to invite the Rebbitsons on? I think we're ready. <laughs> I, I think, think we're ready. All right, without any further ado, what a pleasure. What a privilege. Come on down. Come on. Pull up a Look chair. Look who's here. Here, you got to pull it over a little closer. This is super exciting. Come on, come well, on screen. Oh, yeah, here we go. On. Hold on, hold on. Let me lower my seat there. So it is a pleasure for me to welcome my wife, my Rebetzin, Yocheved. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, Yocheved, what an honor and a privilege to have you. Rebetzin Moskowitz, Rebetzin Ariel Moskowitz, and uh, Rebetzin Simone Brody. What a special honor and privilege. Hold on, the Brody's not going to be able to listen together simultaneously. She's like, I'm not putting the headphones on. I said you're not going to be able to hear them otherwise. Not sure how we're going to do this, but Rebitsons, it is great to have you. And even before we begin and, and launch into the conversation with the Rebitsons, I want to make a very big, big announcement on Behind the Bima. The truth is, this is an announcement that our own community hasn't even heard yet, but this is the place to be able to hear it. This just in breaking news, Rabbi, Rabbi we need, Moskowitz. We need a collective eye roll. The collective eye roll. <laughs> no, 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 the breaking news wow. graphic. Wow. wow. All right. They're already going that, at us. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. on. That didn't take very long at all. Okay. First of all, move your chair in so they see you and you got to be near the microphone. But Rabbi Moskowitz, are we able to make this uh, big announcement tonight here on Behind the Bima? Yeah, I'm not sure I shared it with uh, my family yet, but uh, hey, what better way to share it than on wow. Behind the Bima? considering wow. it was announced at an executive at a board meeting this week. But there is, there is exciting news coming out of the Moskowitz house, coming out of Boca Raton Synagogue. Um, the Moskowitzes, you guys hold are on, Hold on, hold on. This is almost as big when LeBron had the decision and the world tuned in to find out where he was going next. The Moskowitzes had their decision. And tonight on Behind the Bima, they have an announcement to make. You heard it right here. The Booker Tone Synagogue is stuck with the Moskowitzes for a little bit longer. That is the big news tonight. Woo! Yay! Are we allowed to say? We're not allowed to say. But we, we thank God we have a, a significant extension. The Moskowitzes are going to be with us. We couldn't imagine life without them. And it's so great to have you. And the Brodies have like a lifetime contract. So they're here <laughs> and uh, they're not going anywhere. 
We love we love the Brodies, we love the Moskowitzes, and it's a team. The community couldn't be what it is and wouldn't happen without the whole team. So let's get into it with the uh, with the Rebbitsons and uh, who should we start with or how should we start? Yecheved, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you, your your background, and and the big question everybody wants to know is: Did you always know you were going to marry a rabbi? When you were dating, did you look for a rabbi? Did you know you were going to be a Rebbitzin? It's not like a career path or a choice you make to be a Rebbitzin. So how'd, how'd you end up here? And, and why are you so... Because yeah. my chair is slow. Okay, go ahead. Okay. your mic. That's all good. Um, so, hi, I'm Yocheved Goldberg. Maiden name was Brookstein. I'm from Lawrence, New York. And I actually did want to be a Rebbitzin. I kind of went into this knowing full well. I dated guys who were going for smicha and who wanted to be some form Ooh. of a rabbi. And um, I, I was involved in Kirov and in different organizations in high school and college and really enjoyed doing all of those organizations and working with different populations. And, you know, I loved Kirov and just, you know, working with people and, and helping. And so it was something that I really loved. I loved community work and um, social worker was something that I also loved to be with people and to advise and to council. And so this was something that I really wanted in my life to host and to have an open home and a lot going on. And so I ended up with this guy. <laughs> okay. So far, so good. Um, and and Yecheved, Rebetzin Goldberg, um, you know, the, the BRS Weekly recently had a feature, an interview with you and talked about things that people didn't know about you. But tell our audience, Anything about you that people might not expect from a Rebbitzin? What what might people not know about you? I think it's old you? news by now. I don't think it's... <laughs> okay, but you can share it nonetheless. So I think what he is referring to is the fact that I play the drums. So I happen to love music, which I, I think has come up on this show. I love music. I love um, musical instruments and, you know, music without words, music... I love all kinds of music. I really enjoy it. A lefty so drummer. I, um, I play piano and I play drums and I just... Um, that's it. Okay, great. Let's we should have had a right drum. We should have had a we should have had a drum competition between Rabbi Brody and Rabbi no, Goldberg Brody's tonight. That much better been. than I am. There's no competition. Uh-uh. Two, two different styles. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> different styles for sure. All right, moving moving right along. Uh, Rabbi Moskowitz, would you like to introduce everyone to your Rebbitzin? Well, I'm going to let her introduce herself. This is my my wife, Maisha Schail, Rebbitzin, nurse practitioner, Ariel Moskowitz. Rebbits and Moskowitz, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, where are you from, and uh, what made you want to become a Rebbitzin, and how perhaps even you intertwine your work as a Rebbitzin and your work as a nurse practitioner. And I'll say it's a bigger deal, bigger deal than keeping Rabbi Moskowitz in Boca, it's keeping Rebbits and Moskowitz in Boca for a little while longer. That's true. Thank you. Thank you. We're very happy to finally be invited onto Behind the Beam. <laughs> um, we're happy to be here. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn. A little known fact about me. Um, moved to Long Island to Yochaved's neck of the woods, Lawrence, uh, later on in life. Um, and we got married about 14 years ago. Started off in New York and then found our way somehow down here. And we are, thank God, very happy here. We're having our 11th year here. And uh, we have four children, thank God. And uh, aside from my role here in our school, which I absolutely love being involved in our community, I'm part of this great team at BRS. Um, I do also work, um, my, I always say my other hat, um, as a nurse practitioner in one of the local um, internal medicine offices here, and I love love doing that. Um, how do I combine it? Um, well, I, I do see 
um, many patients, many local patients. Um, I feel that both work, I work at in my office as well as in the community in the shul, really do combine what I love to do is connect people and help people. Um, being an orthodox healthcare provider, I feel you know I can help people and really understand. Um, especially people in the Orlox community, where they're coming from. And I, I really enjoy my work here. So Amazing. Amazing. Rabbi, Rabbi Mosk, is there a follow-up question? Well, I don't know if I was allowed to, if we're going to Simone. And then once we ask all the first ones, then we're going to come back. So why don't we go to Simone? Because I know she's waiting there anxiously to introduce <laughs> herself to the world. I know all day she's been counting down the minutes. So, And then we'll come back. I want to know how much time she spent with each of you on the phone or texting today, getting ready for this interview. <laughs> Simona, Long Simona's time. prepared. Simona's Hi, prepared everybody. for tonight. This is nice to this. Hi, everybody. So I'm Simone. I'm from um, Washington Heights, New York. And I met my husband actually in seventh grade. That's like a cute tidbit about us. <laughs> and um, we moved here actually 21 years ago. And we'll be married actually 24 years next Tuesday. And we have six children. And um, I write currently, besides being the BRS, I guess, outreach Reverton, I also work with Yachad, which is I help uh, families with um, children with disabilities. Um, that's about it. <laughs> Amazing. Talk a little bit about the, the Chesed. You've been promoting and advertising and coordinating for the community during Corona, enabling the community, obviously within the limitations of the pandemic, but to have the opportunity to be involved. The, the Brodies, when in non-Corona times, the house is always open. There's activities. There's trips to Israel. It's incredible the amount that's going on. And Grand Central Station is the is the Brody's uh, home. Um, during Corona, it's obviously much more limited, but you've brought that same energy to coordinating Chesed for the community. So any any of the Chesed projects, programs you want to highlight? So basically, like you said, we used to entertain all the time, and we had programs and projects and workshops here. And when Corona hit, it got so quiet. And then we needed um, a way to connect with all of our people. So we initially started by a challah program. We started making multiple challahs each week and delivering challahs to our Friday Live service, Friday Live Outreach family, and to our Momentum group families, and to our Yachad families. And then we needed to do more. Um, so we started, we actually had a, a cereal box drive initially and the, for to benefit the families of Tom Shabbos in our community. And when I had such an overwhelming response, it showed me that there's clearly a need. There was a need. People wanted to do good. And I feel like the more good you do, you feel good. And anyway, so we started doing these drives. And it was a great way during Corona to get a lot of people involved. So we did things like blanket drives, pajama drives, um, toy drives, sock drives, you name it. And uh, we, I guess one of the things I'm most proud of is that we did. Um, we started feeding the hungry in our community. And we did like for about six, seven months, we coordinated every single day, different families from our shul and schools um, would make sandwiches and encouraging notes to go along with the sandwiches and deliver it to people who were in need. Um, and currently, actually this month, being that it's February is Jewish Disabilities Awareness Month. So currently we are running a drive for board games and for art supplies for families with kids with special needs. And I guess I should say it's another part of what was nice about these drives was that it was a way to get um, other organizations known. Like there's so many wonderful organizations in our community, and I think a lot of us didn't know about them. So each month I researched and I found out a lot of new places, and it's a way to promote the different organizations and then together, you know, you uh, know, look, okay, okay promote right. organizations and um, and get more people involved. 
and and it's just been a great it's been a great response. You're doing you're doing amazing things, and you're enabling and uh, coordinating for other people to do amazing things. Now, Simone, just to clarify, can I say can I say a fun fact? Of course, you can. A fun fact is that Simone and I were field day co captains at Camp Hask. That's right. Fun yes. fact. Yes, and we Did won. Did you get the bowling pin for that? The bowling pin fun was for Clover. There, I was co captain there by Giver. Whoa, <laughs> that's that was okay. color word. Wow. Wow. I'm not sure we're ready for that. I'm not sure we're ready for that. That is a breaking news, and maybe we should send him right now. Bring him on the air and reunite the co-captains. But we'll do that in a we'll do that in a we future episode. Could, we were on different. Rabbi Gibber and I were a different teams, so we competed against each other. Simone and I were on the same team. I got you. And we won. A good we won. You just we won. We did win. Yes, our winners. Yes, our winners. Now, Simone, you're wearing the headphones. Does that mean that your husband can't hear us right now? Exactly. I, I think he's reading your okay. lips. Okay, okay. He can. He can hear. So before we open the, the next round of questions to our Rebitsons, and there's so much that people want to know from the Rebitsons, before we open the next round of questions, I want to remind everyone that right now we have the BRS Global Campaign still going. We're in our second week, and we are at nearly 80% of our goal. We're at $78,039. We had set a goal of $100,000 to support all the efforts and everything that we're doing in the BRS community. We have our local community first and foremost, but we have the global, am I boring you? What's going on over here? <laughs> but we have the global community that are the people who benefit and learn and listen and read beyond. So listen carefully if you're watching. Only those watching live. One of our rabbis, who's going to be coming on momentarily, Rabbi Dr. David Shabtai, has just published a brand new safer called Hiding in Plain Sight. It's fantastic. And how do I know that? I had an advanced copy that I got to review, and it is a fantastic book. And here's the deal. Go on brsonline.org slash global. Anyone who donates $180 or more to the cause right now will get in the mail before Purim a free copy signed and autographed by Rabbi Dr. David Shabtai. So yeah. go on and right now, brsonline.org slash global. I didn't say which Purim you get it by, by the way. But you will get before <laughs> Purim a copy of the book. Autograph to whomever you like. Indicate in the sponsorship who you want it uh, dedicated, who you want the autograph to. brsonline.org slash global, brsonline.org slash global. In fact, if you're watching on that global page, just hit donate in honor and memory. Indicate who you want Rabbi Shabtai to make it out to, and we will get you your copy, must reading by this Purim. We can't wait to bring the Shabtais on. But before, let's go another you, round if, of if questions. If you donate $1,800 to my campaign so I can catch up to Rebbe Moskowitz right now, I will also include my autograph in the front cover <laughs> before Rebbe Shabtais. Yes, let's just say right now, Rabbi Moskowitz is at 6270 and Rabbi Brody's only at 4,344, still in the pity position. So if anybody wants to make a donation and be partner and invest in our community as part of the Brody's, they certainly deserve it. Rebitsons, we went through the niceties, your background, cute shtick, color war captains, yada, yada, yada. Now tell us what the people really want to know. What's the best part and the worst part of being a Rebitson? What do people not know is so amazing, so enriching that you love about your life in the role of a Rebitson of, of a large shul? And what are the parts of a Rebitson that if you wish you could change, you would you would change? Do you want me to start? It's up to your I colleagues mean, and friends. Let Ariel start this time. Let her start. Let's take it senior. away. I'll start with the part that I like best. How about that? We'll leave the worst part for you, Yochev. That's hard I think we both touched on it, and, it, and it's actually the truth. Um, 
we live in a growing community, thank God. And one of the things that when, you know, pre-corona, there's so much going on here. Um, every Shabbos, every weekend is like a whole, you know, chavaya, a whole experience. Um, I love, you know, for my kids, for my whole family, just be part of things, meet people, see people, learn, grow. There's just, it's just an excitement and it's really contagious. Um, I think it's great for our kids to grow up you know, watching that and seeing such a vibrant Jewish lifestyle. So I'm very thankful to be front and center um, with that. Um, the worst part, do I have to say that part? Um, Not the worst, instead of phrasing it the worst challenging. part, what, what, the challenging or challenged. what you would change if you could? So I don't know that I would change anything. I think a challenge, um, and this was really, you know, we had time to reflect um, over the last year on this, um, I think we never really, you know, as a couple, never really realized how much time we spend out of the house on a, on a regular average week um, because of our responsibilities, because of our commitments um, and it's things we enjoy doing. So we never saw yeah. it as a burden, as a as an onus, but it was, you know, we enjoy it. But when it was kind of really came to a screeching halt last year, we never realized just how many hours of the week we were uh, outside of our home. So I think that would be my answer. Yeah. So if you could find different balance, be home more. All right, Simone, you're exempt, by the way, because we didn't, we didn't pose that as a question in advance. <laughs> Although I will say your fan club's watching. Got if you look at the screen, right <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Hani Schwartz-Herman, let's go, Simone. You got a fan club. So my boss. Simone, go for it. <laughs> and my friend. No, I was just going to say the same thing. I was going to echo, Ariel, that like I think that we – we um we did not spend as much time with our family until corona and um so that was like a silver lining and we missed we it's it's nice to be with each other we did not see each other as much until now uh we i mean we've been in the same country for the whole year like it's like a big deal you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, so, um, it's a big deal and we had we always we, like you said we enjoyed being part of everyone's lives and always having a lot going on but i think our kids needed a little bit more of our attention and they got it. They definitely got it. We've been spending lots of bonding time, quality time together now. So that's been great. That's all. Amazing. Is Rabbi, <laughs> is Rabbi Brody your most challenging kid to raise? <laughs> He's been very good this year. He's actually been very good. <laughs> He's just as mature Amazing. as he was back in seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 we're very proud. Yecheva, what would you say? Best part of the being a Rebbe some people may not know. And what, what do you wish you could change? Um, so I think the best part is the involvement that you have in people's lives. I think it's a very special thing that when it comes to someone's simchas, you're a big part of it. They're happy the Rebetzin is there. They're celebrating with you. They're pulling you into dance. They're so grateful you came and means so much to them. And that's really a beautiful thing that we could be there in such a meaningful way. And I think it's also very, I think one of my favorite parts of being a Rebetzin is the fact that we could be there also when they're going through a difficult time. And when they're going through a crisis and we're there as their Rebetzin, that kind of like, you know, we scoop, you know, go in there and really try to help and, and be there for them. It's something that I find to be a terrific opportunity to be able to help and be on the front line. And, um, and I, I think that's a very beautiful part of being part of the rabbinic family, part of the rabbinic team. And I definitely appreciate that about being a Rebbitson. And what I'm looking at you because I'm not sure where I'm supposed <laughs> okay. to be looking. Okay, okay. When we, whenever we do these videos for dinners and stuff, you guys have this also? You're recording the video together yeah, for the dinner honorees? And you don't know if you're supposed to look okay. at the camera, you're supposed to look and smile. Okay. 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 So, okay. What you wish were a little oh, what's different. Okay, so what's challenging about this position is that our husbands are really busy 
and they don't have nine to five jobs and we have no idea when they're going to walk in the door and what's going to come up and what's going to keep them away from the house. And and uh, and I think that's really that's a really hard thing for rabbits. And, you know, again, it, there are a lot of professions like this, but I think many more professions have more set hours, have more of an idea of what the day is going to be like. And we're kind of always in this guessing game. What's today going to be? When's ABBA coming home? What's, you know, so I, I think that's that's a little bit challenging. And I think for our particular community, we also have the challenge of having such a large community and having the time to find for everyone because we really want to be close with everyone. We want to have a relationship and be there for everyone. And, right. and we're only very few people who are in these positions. So we can't possibly be there and be that have that closeness with everyone. Whereas in small communities, you have those rabbis and rabbitsons who are able to really, you know, have people over numerous times at their home or, you know, spend time. And I think I think that's hard. I feel bad about that. I wish we had the ability to be with everyone more. But that is a challenge for sure. But our community is extremely lucky to have outstanding rabbitsons, those right now with us, those who will be joining us tonight, who are so devoted. And you know, we don't have time to unpack this tonight. Maybe we'll do a future episode. Rebitsons aren't paid. The Moskowitz has announced the contract extension. We are beyond excited, but it's going to be signed by Rabbi Moskowitz just with some assumptions about Rebitson Moskowitz that are not necessarily fair, but that's the nature of this of this business. Rebitsons aren't paid. There's no contract. Um, there's not even necessarily set expectations, but in our case, we are so blessed, and I, I know our community knows it and appreciates it, to have Rebitsons who are really devoted whether they are paid or not. I want to remind everyone, those who give 180 or more tonight in the middle of the show will get a signed autographed copy of the brand new book and how excited we are right now to welcome the author of that new book. Stay on, Rebitsons. Might as well. Everyone stay on. The author of our uh, new book, Hiding in Plain Sight, uh, Rabbi and Rebitson, Rabbanit Shabtai, they're hiding in plain sight right now. Welcome to Behind Thank the you. Bima. Thank you so much. Your inaugural appearance on Behind the Bima, Rabbi Dr. David Chabtai, Monica Rebbe and Chabtai, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you really for all that you do. And in welcoming you, I want to give a special shout out. Um, Rabbi Chabtai, as his title indicates, is also a doctor, an MD, and has been an indispensable, invaluable asset and resource for us over this past year. He's on every task force in our community and beyond. He's guiding us, he's made himself available all hours of the day and night to help us through uh, sticky situations. And we appreciate all that medical expertise that you bring in addition to everything else and uh, that your family has lent you to us at Sacrifice. It's not easy. One of the themes that we're talking about, although this is not one of those like rabbinic gatherings, like what was us, we're martyrs, everyone should pity us because there are plenty of couples, one's a doctor, a lawyer and the like, who it's a tough life. So anyway, Shabtai's welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, your background, but a little birdie doll told me today that we've also got to ask you how you met. Oh, I don't think that's what she meant, but sure. Um, <laughs> we met in high school. That's not so exciting. But um, so uh, we, we used to live in Washington Heights for a, for a good number of years before we got here. Um, this is our seventh year now in Boca Raton. Uh, before and we were in Washington Heights for 13 years. 13 years. That's many, many, too many years to be in Washington <laughs> Heights for. Um, it's a wonderful. That's a wonderful lot of moving the car. That's a lot of moving the car for alternate size yeah. parking. Well, we, that, we only got a car after we had kid number four. Yeah. That's when we had it with, you know, we needed a car. Yeah. So. Um, wonderful people, though. It was really a wonderful community. I'm you got the wrong impression. It's a great community. It's just a challenging place to live. Um, and uh, before that, I was in NYU for many years and then a uh, medical degree from NYU and uh, Columbia. And um, 
I went to Haratiom to Gush. I don't know why some people find that somewhat strange, but I'm a proud, proud Gush alumni. And uh, then we got That's here. Strange. They're not necessarily consistent with what they would assume you would do. Mm, if you knew us in high school, it was pretty consistent. Okay. <laughs> okay. Where are you from? Oh, me? Europe. That's you. Yeah. Um, I'm from Staten Island. Um, we met at Flatbush where we were in high school. Uh, then I went to Bravinders and Columbia and... And we got married when we were in college. Amazing. So what's the what, what's the story of how you met or got married that the little birdie whispered we should be asking you about? So we knew we were getting engaged by a particular day because uh, Monica's grandparents were in were heading out to Florida, actually. And so we knew it had to be before they went down. And so we knew it was happening. So I tried to do it in some exciting type of a way. And so I decided to propose... Uh, during one of her classes, East Asian Civilization. So the engineer, the engineering students have to take one like liberal arts class or yes, something, and they all take one. East Asian Civilizations because they're very interested in that area of the world. It's the easiest of the liberal arts classes to take, um, but it's a 300-person lecture. And so I had uh, gotten in touch with the professor beforehand, uh, Magda Al-Nawahi, and I emailed her out of the blue, and I said, how, how, I really how, wanted to how did you know how to spell that email address? <laughs> I don't know. probably have to look it up in a book because you don't uh, do anything on the web. He's, he's uh, David Chapman. That's how he knew how to spell that name. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I emailed her. I emailed her and she like responded back. He goes, this is somewhat strange. I wasn't really inclined to do it. But my kid was looking over my shoulder and told me I would be a terrible teacher if I didn't allow you to do this. Uh, so come 10 minutes before the end of the class. And um, and uh, you can propose. Fine. So I get to, so I plant, so there's a 300 person auditorium class, it's like with seating going up. It's like one of these old classrooms in Columbia. And so I had no idea where she was going to be. So a good friend of mine, Jake, was there and uh, his job was to stand up and point. Uh, they all the firm kids sat together. And so I walked in, she said, we had a special guest. And so I walked in, Jake pointed, I went down, I, uh, I brought a ring, I proposed um, wow. dinner yeah. and, um, <laughs> and we left. The silly part, which I'm assuming was referred to, was that afterwards, so it was written up in the Columbia Spectator newspaper, whatever. Um, afterwards, so another one of our friends was at the local co the grocery, yeah. whatever was there. And she was telling a friend, you know, these kids that got engaged in class, it was so weird. And I think she said no. <laughs> and like this friend of ours was like, why do you think she said no? Well, they didn't like hug or kiss or anything afterwards. So like she must have said no. Wow, and it was just awkward. So they walked away. Um, and so this friend corrected them and tried to Interesting. Now, Rebus and Shabtai, when you, when you were dating and getting engaged, did you think you would be married to a practicing doctor? Did you know that he was going to be going into well, the rabbit? I mean, he thought he was marrying an engineer and I thought I was married. And we, yeah, neither one of us uh, did what we were supposed to. Yeah, that's a good switcheroo. Right, so that yeah, marrying a was <laughs> a rabbi. Yeah, and yeah, and Rabbi, Sh Rabbi Shabtai, at what point did you know you weren't going to be a practicing doctor that you really wanted to be an avodas hakodesh? So, I um, I went to M I went to NYU uh, fully wanting to be a doctor to practice medicine. Um, I actually went MD PhD. I thought I would do a joint degree. Um, and I uh, actually discovered that I didn't like working in the lab. I had like worked in the lab that I had worked with. And to his credit, Dr. John Loike, who has been a mentor and a great friend to me uh, ever since, I enjoyed working with him. I didn't enjoy working in the lab. Uh, so I blame him completely for uh, 
turning me astray. I enjoyed working with him. And so uh, I, after, after two, so the idea was two years of med school, then you do your PhD and then you go back to two years of med school for four years. And so I wanted to go back and instead of doing the PhD to go back to yeshiva. And I actually prepared this whole speech to tell the Dean of Students um, why this was great and why it would, you know, NYU is very into making people worldly and making aware of what's going on. I'll be a better doctor. I can relate to the world. And I prepared this whole speech. And um, I don't usually do that. And I prepared in front of a mirror, like the whole thing. I went to him and I explained to him exactly what would happen. Um, and I was ready and I said, you know, I want to do this and I want to take off. And so I was debating how long to ask him for. So I was going to take off a year. And then someone the night before said, well, ask for two so that you can negotiate down to one and you'll get what you want. Seemed reasonable. So I go to him. I said, you know what? I want to take off these two years to go to yeshiva. I think it'll make me a better doctor. And he goes, well, will you get ordination then? You know, he knew the word. I said, actually, yeah, if I take off two years, that was my plan. So I guess if I take off two years, I'll get smicha. He goes, you should do that. Hmm. And I said, what? And he cut me off, and for 20 minutes, he lectured me on why this was the greatest idea ever. Um, so very uncharacteristically, I sat quiet um, for the 20 minutes. He lectured me. And then uh, I went back to Yeshiva. I came back for years three and four. At the end of the third year, I decided that the practicing, the day-to-day -day wasn't for me. And if I wasn't really into it, I wouldn't make a great doctor. And so I didn't think it was fair to me or my patients if I was not going right. to be a great doctor. Um, so I finished off med school and then I went back to uh, yeshiva and kolalim for four years after that. It's amazing because you, you came to that recognition and yet you went all the way through in terms of finishing medical school, which is an enormous amount of work well. and a big investment. Yeah, and paying yeah. for it. Probably still, probably still paying for it. Still paying for it. in, by the way. We've got we've got great news for Rabbi Brody. Not such good news for Rabbi Moskowitz. Rabbi Brody, your $1,800 donation has come in. Still looking for a home with walking distance to BLS. Can't wait. They love BLS. Ahava and Boaz, $1,800. You are now catching up with Rabbi Moskowitz, but it also means you need to sign their copy of the book. I am, <laughs> Rabbi, I'm, yeah, Rabbi, I'm coming over right now. I'm just so saying, sign for two weeks now, we've been pushing the Brodies. If there's anyone out there that wants to help me stay ahead of the Brodies, <laughs> I would welcome that. Yeah, first of all, that what, are the Shriers? what are the Shriers up to tonight? It's a week late now. The Shriers have done their part. Um, that, is, that is an amazing story. And, Thank you. That and you guys are a great asset. Let, let's pivot to, yeah, and thank you so much for that generosity. Everyone, keep going to brsonline.org slash global, brsonline.org slash global. $180 and more gets you a copy of this brand new safer out of the press. You'll be among the first to get it, and you'll be autographed and signed by Rabbi Dr. David Shabtai. Um, so Rabbi Shabtai. Shameless self-promotion. If, if you don't give it, you can still get it on Amazon. So just, you can still get it on wow. Amazon, but you won't be I'd rather I'd rather send you an autographed one, but just, you know. It's there too. Exactly. Okay, so, Rebbe Shabtai, talk to us about the area of BRS. Um, you are the Svardi Rabbi and Rebetzin. We have an amazing team at BRS we're so grateful for. Uh, Rabbi Moskowitz and I are the full-time rabbis, and I say that not because there's a difference. You know, they say in the rabbinate, there's no such thing as a full-time or part-time rabbi, only a full-time or part-time salary. And that's certainly true in the case of everyone that our listeners are going to meet tonight because nobody's working part-time. Unfortunately, the positions are structured as such, but they all give their all. Um, so um, you are the rabbi and rebbetzin of our Sephardi and Minyan. Talk a little bit about that Minyan. How many members, where do they come from, the makeup, the diversity? What are some of the unique opportunities and challenges of serving specifically that many. Now, all of our rabbis obviously are connected with the whole community, and we all speak in all the minyanim, and we're all connected with each other's family, but that's your primary uh, primary focus, obviously, daily minyan and, and the like. 
Okay. Sure. So uh, we have like, we have about eighty something families that are members on the regular Shabbos pre COVID. Um, hopefully post COVID, we've got between 100 and 120 people at our main minion on Shabbos. Um, the Sephardic minion. So we have we're not one particular Ada. People think Sephardim are one unique group. It's not. It's from many many different countries over many different areas. Um, we're about forty to fifty percent Moroccan. And 40 to 50 percent not Moroccan, which means some Syrians, some Egyptians, uh, Persians, um, etc. They're all very different. You got to make sure you get them all right. Uh, we have about 50 percent Israelis also um, and 50 percent not Israelis, not necessarily corresponding to each other. Um, and so that creates a it, it's a nice, you know, I, I think it reflects very well on our, our notion of diversity. And like we really, really do have a lot of different groups together. And so we actually that's reflected in the way we manage tefillah. So we have uh, the Yerushalmi Nosach, which is generally the more common Sephardic Nosach, and then there's a Moroccan version. And so we alternate between the two to try to make sure that everyone, um, that everyone, you know, has uh, everyone's heritage is respected and the background is done uh, reflected. And uh, it, it's really interesting. We have a we have a lot of people coming from a lot of different walks of life, um, which is I think true in all of our in all of our minyanim. Um, but people come with these great stories and these great backgrounds and full of heritage and different types of uh, traditions. And I, I think it does create a far more enriching experience for everybody. You know, the story of when I went to Israel, when I'd become uh, taken over as the rabbi, and I went to go see Rav Avadi Yosef, about there was some conflict and tension in the minion about um, some of the nusach and the choice of what to daven. And, you know, sometimes it's possible that chairs were lifted over other people's heads and there was a real <laughs> sense of passion over the Nusach. And I joke, by the way, that as an Ashkenazi, I'm so jealous because with the Sephardim, if you don't sing the right Nusach or you skip that piyut that we say, it could get literally violent. With the Ashkenazim, it's, you could say it, don't say it, whatever, just get us out of here. Whatever will get us out of here fastest, I could care less what you're saying or not saying. So I went to go see Rav Avad Yosef in Israel, and I said to him, we've got this uh, diverse mix-up, demographics, what nusach should we be davening? So I don't know if you ever had the privilege of meeting him, but apparently there's a Sephardi practice to, as a uh, expression of affection, to slap someone across the face. So he slapped me across the place face several times, and he said, you should be davening Nusach Yerushalmi because you should all be in Yerushalayim. What are you doing in Boca Raton? <laughs> so I came back and reported that. And as you see, didn't have much Nobody impact. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. tell us, uh, you know, again, I invite the Brodies or Moskowitzes if they have some questions for the Shabtais. But around the calendar year, are there any other Sephardi particular events that if you did not grow up Sephardi, you may not be aware of or familiar with? So, yeah, so we do, um, we have a couple, I guess, I mean, I guess grow, I grew up with them, so it's hard to know, like, what's different, but, uh, so, for example, something that we've tried to do a couple of years um, is uh, a mimuna. A mimuna is every woman's dream come true. Let's throw a big party. Motze Pesach, right? Let me just right say, right only Svartim, only Svartim can pull off a mimuna. If an Ashkenazi tried a mamuna, we'd be sleeping on the couch that night. Svardim, it's, it's like, you just made Pesach, now we want you to cook some more, mazel tov. Yeah. But chametz, like moments after Pesach is over, we, we, and when we do it in shul, so people don't actually put away their Pesach stuff. They stay in shul to do, they're very dedicated to make this happen. Um, like their Pesach stuff is put away the next day or the day after, like that'll wait. This is more important. Um in and it was practiced pretty much in, in different lots of different places. Uh, the Moroccans do it, the Persians do it, a lot of different groups do it. Um, you know, the getup might be somewhat different than the music is different, but it's all chametz food. It's this big, big motze pesach party. 
It's supposed to be a simon bracha and fertility and prosperity. If everything's a skulala parnasa, that's the key to get Svartim to come to something. A little bit of arak and a skulala parnasa, and they will be there. Uh, so there's a skulala parnasa. You got to throw in some candles. Oh, yeah. So candles Baba's is another candles. So that, no, that's a different. That, so I don't. The candles are not usually a mimuna. That's a hilula, which is right. generally more of a Moroccan thing. We do we do a big uh, babasali hilula on the day of his uh, his yurtzeit, and this has become particularly in Israel a big cultural party. Um, not so much about the babasali, more about the party. But there's a little bit about the babasali. Uh, there's nothing written by him, so it's very hard to say over different Torah from him. They have a lot of stories, selling candles, lighting candles. Um, it's also just a big chavaya, just a cultural experience. This is one of the... Uh... We, we got a candle. We got a candle because we had only girls and the Spartan were very invested in us having a son. So they bought us Every candles <laughs> on the Hilula and we brought it home and did not do anything for us for a, a long pile. time. Big pile we of had candles. girl after girl after girl. So maybe after we finally had the boy, maybe it was because of the, one of those candles. Now, you know, they, all... they, they dispute whose schus it is, by the way. That they, They'll all take credit for it, just to be aware. They all, it's fine, no problem. Rabbi Moskowitz, you have pulled ahead because the Shriers have donated 180 to get a copy of the book in your honor. Right. So Rabbi Moskowitz has pulled ahead of Rabbi Brody. Rabbi Moskowitz, you have to make sure the Shriers had my back. You got to co-sign the Shrier edition of the new book, Hiding in Plain Sight. Rebetzin Shabtai, you did not grow up Sephardi, is that correct? So I actually, my stepfather is Sephardi. Um, and him and my mother started seeing each other when I was 10 and got married when I was 14. So I, I didn't grow up Sephardi, but I was, you know, basically from the time I was a teenager, uh, my home became Moroccan. Um, so, so my, you're comfortable I mean, making all those foods. Yeah. I mean, I remember clear as day, my parents, they got married in June and my brother was born on Pesach and his bris was the day after Pesach. And... That first Mosei Pesach, they're married. All of a sudden, my step-grandmother starts cooking. And I thought my mother was going to pass out. Because um, she was just postpartum making a bris the next day. And she was making pancakes in the kitchen. Um, so that was our first Mimuna. Um, but yeah, I'm very comfortable with Sephardim. I, I mean, my, my, my stepfather ran the shul. So um, it was kind of full circle when we got married and they thought it was a bad joke. Like they laughed at me that I very Ashkenaz married a Sephardi after all that. But um, I was very comfortable with it. Incredible. Incredible. Okay. Stay with us because we are now going to welcome further wow. parts of our team. Rabbi Rail and Elisa Blumenthal. Thank you so much for being with us. This is getting fun here. We should do like a newlywed game at some point. This is like our staff meeting. This is like a staff meeting. Feels, feels like a Monday morning. Right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, rabbi and Rebetzin Blumenthal, thank you so much for joining with us. For those who don't know, Rabbi and Rebetzin Blumenthal, the Rabbi and Rebetzin at BRS West, are incredible, outstanding, and fast-growing satellite five miles west. Rabbi Moskowitz knows it well because he walked there this past Shabbos, there and back, the day before running in an actual half marathon, so he can describe exactly the geography and topography of that walk. But the Blumenthal's have been at BRS West for how long? Six. This is your six. You're in our sixth year. This is your wow. six. And, and how, yeah. how, what, what's the growth? How, how many new families have come during that time? Um, well, we, we got here, there were about 20-something families when we there arrived. like 21 members. High holiday Jews. Um, and now, uh, you know, at, at last count, somewhere closer to 120 so unbelievable it's it's been it's been a lot uh getting everybody you know 
finding a house and getting everybody uh, enrolled in membership and involved in the shul. Oh, yeah. Thank God it's uh, it's been it's been really awesome and really busy. But uh, but Baruch Hashem, the shul's grown like crazy, and it's uh, it's amazing to see. It's amazing to see the uh, the enthusiasm, the growth, um, just the the neighborhoods boomed, and and we've been zocher to uh, to see it happen. So we'll, describe. We'll, we'll get to South Africa. We'll learn more about you both of your background, but. What is a satellite? Most people watching or listening don't never heard of a shul that is a satellite. What does that mean? Why the arrangement? Why bother? You're growing, you're exploding, you're doing fantastic, fun, great things. Why why stay connected? Why be a satellite? So uh, this is something that, you know, anybody anybody that's not a rabbi um, and has never been involved in building a community would have no idea what the answer to this question is. Anybody that is a rabbi um, that has been involved in building a community knows that uh, having the support and backing of the largest institution in town, having the support and backing of a massive enterprise called BRS means that we can spend our time building relationships and connecting with people um, to a certain extent. You know, I, I joke with, uh, with colleagues around the country that, BRS West gets to do uh, gets to do marketing because BRS does management. So we can we can market Yiddishkeit. We can build relationships. We can build a community, knowing that there's an amazing, much larger community behind us to be able to support everything that we do. Which means that we don't have to worry about the kinds of things that most rabbis and rebbetsons of small shuls spend like 90 percent of their day worrying about. We don't have to do that. We can partner with the largest institution in town without being competitors to it to be able to work together so that our members are getting the best of an enormous community with all of you guys and all of the rabbis and all of the speakers and education and community resources while still being able to get that like small town kind of homey feel. So, you know, people, people that don't know what building a shul is building a community is are like, well, why are you a satellite? And people that do are like, yeah, that makes the most sense in the universe. And how can I, you know, start BRS North, you know, somewhere in Teaneck and BRS, uh, BRS West West on the, you know, next to LA, like anybody that's engaged in building a shul, it's a no brainer to be able to partner with BRS. The whole world wants to do it. So those of you that are supporting BRS Global right now, just know that this is the beginning of huge things. So, and <laughs> huge things are hiding in plain sight. That's it. It is amazing. So. And this, and this, the relationship is not just for uh, this. This relationship and this banter and this friendship and this fun, we're all together every week, our staff meeting. We're thinking about every segment, demographic component of the community. And... Um, and the integration and the and the shared values and the shared programming is, of course, what we're very excited about. But I, I don't want to monopolize this. The Brody. Yeah, I want to jump in for a second. Guys. I just. What do you want I, to ask? The I have a question for. Well, I have a question for the Blumenthal's because I remember that when Rabbi Blumenthal, when you applied for this job, one of the things on your resume was that you like life hacks. And one of the reasons we love having you on the staff is you guys are bona fide millennials. I think I actually qualify as a millennial, but you're a real millennial. I'm like a millennial with a 90-year-old soul. You're a legit millennial. So why don't you give some life hacks? What are your favorite life hacks, things that our viewers might not know of that will make their lives more efficient that they might not be aware of? So I uh, – say what? 
<laughs> a dining room table. Um, fun we were fact. looking for a really big one. Um. Um, we were looking for a dining room table that would be able it to host a lot people. Of money. Um, and it was really expensive. Uh, how do you find a table that can comfortably seat like 16 people? Yeah. That's um, so we were looking around and like, like it was we he was like it was like in the tens of thousands <laughs> yeah. of dollars yeah and then um i called over one one uh, afternoon i called over one of the guys in shul that had recently moved in and happened to still have his pickup truck um which he gave up because driving a pickup truck around Boca is not the same thing as driving it around other places in the country um but i called him up i was like hey um, you want to help me? I have something that just got delivered to Walmart. He's like, yeah, totally. So we um, we drove to Walmart and picked up what I just had shipped to the store, which was um, a billiards room ping pong table, um, which was like on like a sale of a sale of a sale because who wants a ping pong table that's that made out of fold. solid wood and doesn't fold? Um, we do. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was like, we don't work for NCSY anymore. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> and I actually love it now. So, so okay. for for uh, you know a couple hundred bucks, we got a dining like one hundred twenty. Yeah, it's like nothing. Yeah, yeah. Joke. Um, <laughs> we have a ping pong table that is our dining room table, and uh, everybody that comes in is like, oh my gosh, where did you find such, such a, a nice large table, table that has so much room? We're like, well, if you lift up the plastic <laughs> cover on top of it. You will see that the top so that's a is multi-purpose. Very nice. So. <laughs> and when the and when the meal is over, do you break out the ping pong rackets? Absolutely, every time. Um, I think the ratio of meals to ping pong is what probably <laughs> four thousand to one right now. You can't play ping pong <laughs> but, with a three-year-old around because then yeah. it's just one shot and then it's over, and then one shot and then it's over. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one life hack. I was going to say, I think it's really, really great. I mean, if you look around for people that don't know Boca Raton Synagogue or BRS West, you just look around at the staff. It's so diverse on the one hand. On the other hand, you look at it, you say, I mean, it, it's very young. And you think about where most of us started. We were in our 20s and some, I guess, came in early 30s. But for, for, for the most part, you know, it's actually really interesting that we got hired to work as rabbis in a pretty, <laughs> pretty impressive shul in our 20s. You know, to do uh, different it wasn't different impressive things. until we were hired. Oh, relax, relax. <laughs> no, I can't even see what you say. Anyone listening to this and in general knows about us, that confidence is not something that we lack at the Bukraton Synagogue. <laughs> but, you know, no, I think it's really cool. Up. I think it's just really special. We were young. We, we didn't really know much of what we were doing. We kind of got out of Smeeka, <laughs> got established in a, in a community that's kind of out of town, but very, very big. And... Uh, you know, began our careers and, and all, all stuck with it. We're all still here. If, you know, if, if we wanted to play a fun game tonight, we would have asked our listeners among the five couples on right now, who went to Columbia and NYU? Who went <laughs> to Neri Sral? Who went, uh, you know, we, we could have posed and, and some Hopkins, interesting questions. Way, don't forget Hopkins. Un, some of the unpredictable questions that people might not have known. Um, Rabbi Blumenthal, how did you, you know, your accent is what, Brooklyn? Five towns? <laughs> Dude, that's uh, <laughs> um, it's it's Moroccan, <laughs> it's Moroccan Brooklyn. That's how did you make your way from uh, South Africa? Um, so I uh, I finished high school in South Africa, I went to Karen Biafna. Um, I had all the intentions in the world of uh, right, that would be another fun question, you know, who uh, who went to KBY, um. 
I had all the intentions in the world of uh, of going back to South Africa and um, getting a degree in engineering and learning in the Yeshiva Gadol in South Africa. That was kind of the plan. Um, at that point in time, um, this was before the recession, why um, you uh, had a program that they were basically trying to become the center for the Jewish future. Um, that was uh, that was once upon a time that meant bringing people from around the Jewish world to YU before the recession. And uh, I I was I was I was I was very very lucky to be offered a scholarship to go learn in YU. Um, I was like the second last South African to be offered that that uh, that deal. Um, myself myself and my chavrusa and good friend Rabbi Yaakov Trump um, was uh, two years ahead of me. Uh, in doing that, and uh, I came to YU. I, I came to YU. It was it was the first time that I'd ever come to the United States of America. Um, I, I'd no, I had no idea. I'd never. The only thing that I knew about New York and America was from watching like TV and movies before before I did tshuva, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I'd only ever seen I'd only ever seen New York on the movies. Um, and then I landed at JFK and then they took me to Washington Heights and I was like, they lied. Um, <laughs> because, because it's not the same thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, and that's and that was pretty much pretty much the story. Um, well, we I guess we should be grateful to YU then for bringing you over. Obviously, Eliza is and, and we're yeah, grateful for the two of you. <laughs> Yeah, for the two of you and what and what you're doing. First of all, I want to thank our sponsor again, dailygiving.org. If you've not yet taken out your phone or taken a moment to check out dailygiving.org, make sure to check it out. It is an amazing way to give out uh, to give out stucco every day and every little bit adds up and uh, collectively makes a big big difference dailygiving.org. Um Blumenthal's, can I put you on the spot for a minute? I think okay. we are. I'm pretty sure probably that's should have clear, <laughs> probably should have cleared some of this beforehand. But Rabbi Blumenthal, right. you recently um, how shall I say this? I'll let you unpack it as much as you want, but you made an enormous change in your lifestyle and got yourself into good shape, better shape. You can be more specific if you want, because I didn't get permission to do so beforehand. Could you talk about what, what flip switched, what changed, um, for you, for your family as a family to take on that different way of healthy living, healthy lifestyle, and you know it's you can't talk to Rabbi Blumenthal these days. He's like an Ironman competing in triathlons, breaking record time. Usain Bolt's got nothing on him. So what what happened? That is not we don't have any old pictures, and we're not going to put them up. But that is not the Rabbi Blumenthal that we first met. So I'll tell you, Facebook uh, Baruch Hashem. Thank you, uh, Still Rabbi Zuckerberg. Every every uh, couple of weeks, he reminds me. Ah, this happened three years ago. So <laughs> there's uh, there's always there's always that. Um, so a lot of people assume that there was like some like moment of revelation where like something happened and that's when everything changed. Um, and the truth is, it, it, it's not like that um, in the sense that, you know, anybody that's living in a way that they are uncomfortable with, no matter what that thing is that they're doing, engaged in living in a certain way that's not making them happy. So you kind of, it's not so much like a switch that you flip. It's it's kind of like you flip flop for a long time between like I really should do something about this, and like you think about how you're going to do it, and then you ruminate on how you're going to change your life, and then like you kind of don't. Uh, and then that happens for like you know 
20 years of abusive eating. Um, and, and at some point in time, you, you, look at, you look at yourself and you're like, all of the things that I've been thinking about, at some point in time, I should, I should start putting into practice. Um, but if, if you want like the moment, the moment of, of kind of more or less when things changed and like how you managed, I managed to change anything in my life, um, it, it kind of begins with a tiny, tiny amount of success. What I mean by that is like the biggest and first hurdle is to like do something. So like attempt to do anything and then to like fail a little bit and then to like succeed a little bit and then to say, oh, I just lost like two pounds, which, you know, is is basically like, you know, not having an extra soda and then going to sleep. Um, and then you're like, wow, OK, that was doable. I can like do like a little bit more. Um, and it's kind of these these two kind of these two trajectories that that meet up with each other there's the one trajectory of like all of the thoughts of like how i want to live and what i want to look like and and what kind of picture i want to have of myself and what i want to be able to see when i look in the mirror and how i feel about myself and that at some point in time meets up like this huge idea meets up with like the tiniest idiot bittiest little bit of success and then if you manage to plug in all of the thoughts and all of the emotions and all of the dreams into that tiny drop of success. So then you can do it again. And Amazing. I found are you comfortable, are you comfortable sharing a number? Am I allowed to put you on the spot? Um, it's uh, about a hundred pounds. Hundred pounds. It's absolutely, absolutely wow. incredible, inspiring. Uh, now we're, we can we're gonna... now Rabbi Goldberg. It's not just it's not just Rabbi Blumenthal, Rabbi Shabtai. I mean, you are not on such a grand scale, but you also made significant changes since you moved here. Um, you started running. I mean, you. I remember the first time you ran a mile. It was like an eleven-minute mile, and you were gassed afterwards, and you can couldn't function at all. And now you're running like marathons at seven-minute miles. Um, what changed in you? What caused? What precipitated that change? Um, the discipline involved you're out there every single day, like clockwork. Um, walk us through some of some of your changes. So, in all honesty, most of it is your fault. Um, it was uh, we were talking once in the office back when I had a place in the office. Um, and uh, we were talking about doing this ridiculous thing that never came to fruition. We're going to do a 5K twice around the circle. We talked about this. It's like I a don't remember. Not. Um, anyway, so we were talking about it, and we were, like, trying to make teams and raise money. And I walked out, and I came back, and the conversation was still going on. And I think you were talking to someone else, and... I think it was Matthew was like, nah, it's too hard. It's too hard. And like, oh, come on. It's not a big deal. You know, I don't run and I can make this happen. I'm sure I can make this happen. I'm sure I could do it. And I hadn't realized that the conversation switched from a 5K to a half marathon when I was out. <laughs> and I think you and Matthew looked at me and you're like, really? You could do it? I'm like, yeah, what's the big deal? And then I put my foot in my mouth and I signed up for a half marathon without knowing it. Um, but in all honesty, I... Uh, I was I was a little bit frustrated trying to find time to learn on my own. I like to listen to Rav Shechter, and it's a weird thing, but this is the time when I listen to Rav Shechter. I've gone through several Masechtas with him. Um, 
And uh, so that's my time. So uh, that's a lot of Talmud Torah that I uh, attribute to you. You might be the only person who can say that I go running with Rav Schechter every day. You might be the only only person. He's got a great cadence. I don't know. It works. You remember before one of our meetings, you, you, Rabbi Goldberg, you, you wanted us to all start working out, and this was like our annual meeting, and you brought one of your trainers. That was the first meeting, like the the year that we got hired. Oh my god! And and I remember I remember calling Aliza and saying. I don't know what's up with these people, but if we're going to be like working out at every staff meeting, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I'm so keen on We're out of here. It was that like was it. Yeah. 97 degrees outside. And like we had just come from New Jersey. And, it, you know, your first your first summer in Boca, you know, we, we, we've, had the, we've had the incredible fortune of seeing many, many families go through their first summer in Boca. Where like... It's like a badge. Two months. Yeah. Like two months after Sukkot, you're like... Why am I sweating when I breathe outdoors? Like, why is that a thing that still happens? So I remember it was like, we had come from like shoveling snow to like go to the staff meeting. And Rabbi Goldberg was like, I got a trainer. I got a trainer here. And I was like, this sounds interesting. And I think within within about eight seconds, I was like, I need to stop and where's lunch? Um, And he was like, okay, let's... 30 push-ups right now. And, I remember that. Now, listen, big shout out to David Ellis, Easy Breezy. We, you know, so again, people don't necessarily appreciate. So we have the staff. We have still, there's another Rabbi Shabtai who's going to be joining us momentarily. Um, but we have this incredible staff, really dear friends, colleagues, partners. Um, and we work together. There's not a hierarchy. We, we all, I, I don't think, I certainly don't perceive anybody hesitates. We're all in. We give pushback. We creatively plan and vision together and uh, to, to create the community that we're trying to grow. So we meet every Monday, every Monday morning. We review the previous week. We plan for the coming week. And once or twice a year, we do a full day. We go off campus in order to really open up the imagination and in order to really plan out the whole calendar of the whole year. Obviously, this year was more complicated than most. And the idea then was, I was on a little bit of the health kick then, and the idea was, if we'll be disciplined with our health and wellness, with our eating, with our body, we'll be disciplined in our neshama, with our work, we'll be disciplined in our ruchnias, we'll be disciplined with our, with our work, with every aspect of life. So we brought Dave Ellis, Easy Breezy, and uh, I remember, I won't say who, Rabbi Blumenthal and Matthew, but he had us doing the lunges. <laughs> they were gone today, and, uh, by the way. You, you, I, I don't know that you recovered for like three days. You and Matthew... <laughs> That was it. We're clo- we're talking close to bringing in a defibrillator. So thank God that was uh, Rabbi that Goldberg, was a lot of fun. I'll be honest. I'm 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 pumped for this year's uh, for this year's retreat. If you want to bring him back, well, that's <laughs> that's the sure, joke. I think, I think I could handle it a little more these days. So. The joke of it is, I had been working out with him, and I was so excited, like the oldest guy, to flex to all of you, basically try to keep up. And now you all run circles and circles, quite literally, circles and circles around me. So, um, Rebison Blumenthal, tell us a little bit about. Um, your role, Rebitson out of BRS West. BRS West is part of a bigger community, also has its own because locally it's it's different. What do you love about being a Rebitson? What do you wish would be different about being a Rebitson? Um, I'm, I'm really, I do love being a, Reb, uh, a Rebitson here. Um, I like the community. It's, it's an interesting community just because the median age is kind of around my age a little bit. I feel like a lot of the 
the women here and the the couples here that we've kind of gone through, you know, starting with one kid to two kids, going from the single stroller to the double stroller. And it's just, it's rare to be the same age as a lot of the people that you get to be a rabbit enough. So I feel really privileged to have that opportunity. It's not something I ever imagined when we were starting to go into all this. So it's also just fun for, for me to connect with people. And because we're around the same age, so we're talking about other things in life. And then it happens to be when Torah comes up and the halachic questions come up. And I find that just because we have this relationship where we are, I guess, millennials, I guess. Thank you, Robin Moskowitz, um, of similar age and everything, that uh, I find people are more willing to ask halachic questions that maybe they wouldn't have asked before, more comfortable the texting relationship and reaching out. And I kind of love that. I know when uh, Rail and I were starting here, we came from an NCSY background and um, we're like, how do we switch to adults? How do we how do we make a difference? And it's kind of the same, just people leave uh, and sometimes help clean up afterwards, which is also nice. But so I actually, I feel like I got a lot of training um, through NCSY. So I actually like this a lot, even more, to be honest. I feel like I'm making more of an impact, different kind of impacts um, on people and things I don't like about being, I mean, I, I like, Plenty of things. I guess COVID showed me that um, there's a lot more, I guess, that I could do. And I feel like I don't have that connection with people right now. And that's been a hard balance to figure out. But it's also made me realize some personal things about how much I'm a Rebbitzin and also how much I'm a mom. And to make sure that I'm like the way even my house I recognized was designed was all about guests and all about other people and things. And then with Corona, I bought a lot more Lego. Um, so that has happened. So I'm grateful for the shift in understanding, but I didn't realize how my attention was very, very shul. And I'd like to continue that, but try and figure out that balance with, as my kids are getting older. That's fantastic. We have the privilege of setting a new <laughs> record here on Behind the Bima. Where is he? How many people some... work at this shul? <laughs> <laughs> we, we're not even bringing all of our staff on. We have many more. Oh, you oh, know what? We'll work out this. Rabbi Shabtai is going to do. Meantime. He's going to be calling in with the he's phone. Gonna he's going to be on the video. <laughs> with the other right. thing. No, no, Rabbi Shabtai. He texted me privately. He's trying to be like uh, Naftali Bennett and Ben Shapiro. The more prominent right. you are, the worse your Wi-Fi. So he's trying to show who's boss here. Let's see if we can bring him back. There he is, Rabbi <laughs> Simcha Simi Shabtai. Best beard on the staff. <laughs> Rabbi Shabtai, by far the best beard. First of all, I want to thank dailygiving.org again for the generosity two weeks ago. And if you haven't yet taken out your phone, do it now. Make a difference. You're not doing a favor for them. Dailygiving.org is doing a favor for you. And if you haven't gone on brsonline.org slash global, we are running out of books. Rabbi Shabtai, I have to tell you, it's maybe time to print a new running already of, you all right? Yeah. Of, you need a coffee? Of hiding in plain sight. <laughs> Hiding in Plain Sight, Rabbi Dr. David Shabtai. Rabbi Simi Shabtai, have you read Hiding in Plain Sight yet? <laughs> Sorry, didn't laugh. Hold on, is he frozen? I can't tell Hold if on. he's frozen. Let me just introduce him. While we're, while we're waiting for him, this is one of my favorite books, Rabbi Lau. For, if you put me in front of Rabbi Goldberg, I will autograph this book for you right now. You'll have it tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Rabbi Brody, Brody, you are 500 ahead of you. Yep. Rabbi Brody needs 500. Do we have a few donors? 180, get a free autographed book and catch up. Rabbi Simcha Shabtai, we are so grateful that you're part of our team. Of course, you're amazing. Rabbi and Dvoro, unfortunately, can't be with yes, us sir. tonight on Behind the Bima. Uh, but Rabbi Shabtai is our Rosh-based medrash, 
and the head of our women's midrashah. You might notice if you're watching, there's a lot of unusual things about our shul. Most shuls don't typically have an outreach rabbi in Rebetzin. They don't necessarily have a Svarti rabbi in Rebetzin. They don't have a satellite rabbi in Rebetzin. And they don't usually have, a shul doesn't have its own base medrash in Midrashah. The Dr. Yitzchak Bell is on base medrash of BRS. And the Mrs. Danny Grazier uh, mid women's midrashah of BRS. Tell us about your role and those two things and where you come from. And tell us a little bit about that beard that we're also envious of. <laughs> Can you hear us? Where came from the beard and time? Hold on, hold on. Yeah, we're now, having some now. Technical. See now, Rabbi. Now our listeners are getting the full Monday morning staff experience. Exactly. <laughs> this is so Nathan Zucker is already writing, and he's thirty-five thousand feet above us, and he's he's able. Nathan to Zucker is the second person to text me in the middle of the broadcast who is watching from over thirty-five thousand feet in the air. <laughs> Now that planes have Wi-Fi, better reception than Rabbi Shabtai. <laughs> <laughs> Harav Simi, can you hear us? Yes. Yeah, I can hear you. Repeat the question one more time. Midrashah, beard, my brother, book. All, all the above. Yeah, we all want to hear above. your view. We want to hear it all. Personality uh, tests. We want it all. Oh, fantastic. Um, my name is Simi Shabtai. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I had the privilege of being David Rabbi Dr. David Shabtai's younger brother. We shared a bunk bed. Um, <laughs> I, uh, spent time in YU, spent time in some other yeshivas, and made our way to Boca Raton about. Oh, oh man. Uh, the is book. An older brother. I did not you get a chance really... to look so much at the book. I saw about a little bit of it. You well, he it. also Keep has going. the privilege of having more hair, so it kind of confuses people sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, so the way we got involved initially was about 10 years ago, I had emailed Rabbi Goldberg from Eretz Yisrael about starting a summer kolal in Boca. Um, and that m somehow came out and it started. And summers came years ago. Okay. We are having some Wi Fi challenges, Rabbi Shabtai. <laughs> Coming in and out, coming in and out. Hold on, we're going to try to find Rabbi Shabtai a better location. Can you hear us? But in the meantime, we'll tell you, we have this amazing base measure of BRS, afternoon kolo, four afternoons a week, night seder visiting Rosh Hashiva series, high-level learning, learning of all uh, all levels, and a very, very active base medrash. And a woman's midrasha with women's learning of all levels and women's learning opportunities, uh, and women's scholars and residents, women's programs, mother-daughter learning, um, and so much more. And Rabbi Simcha Shabtai oversees all of that, and it's a privilege to have him on our team. And we need to get him some new Wi-Fi. After, after a year, you thought we would have fixed his Wi-Fi issue. <laughs> We're still getting there. We're still getting there. I can so hear you. Can you hear me? <laughs> now we hear you. We hear you a little bit in and out. Okay. Well, you basically so said us, my whole life story. So you did a great job. <laughs> tell us, tell us what you do. Tell us your vision for the base medrash, the midrash. Most shuls don't have such a thing. Why is it important to you that our shul and our community does? Mm -hmm. I mean, you probably do a much better job explaining it than I would. Um, I think every shul uh, tries to have as much kedusha cultivated in the shul as possible in terms of Torah and tefillah. Um, what we're able to do, or what we, we try to do, at least is to instead of having everybody privately on their own 
Uh, we are struggling. I don't know if you can hear no, us, but are. Rav Simi, we're struggling to hear. Rav Simi is a serious Tamachacham and a very serious leader and visionary. Brings a lot of creativity to our team, and I hope he can uh, find a neighbor with some good Wi-Fi or go back to the base major at BRS and rejoin us because he's such an indispensable part of what we do and a really, really important voice. So we are, ladies and gentlemen, the night is just getting started. This is the BRS Rabbi and Revitson Shavuos All Night Telethon BRS Global Campaign. Can we take a break just to make sure our kids are like... Where are the priorities? Where are the priorities? Where are the priorities? All right, we're going to have board pressing in about 30 minutes. Wait, just stick around, folks. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. Lightning round. Uh, each of the Rebbitsons, describe your husband on Purim. Ooh. Is that not obvious? <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. No, why don't you let someone else go? Oh, yeah. really rolling. <laughs> I'd love to share. Here, Rabbit really Blumenthal, why don't you, why don't you describe both Rabbit oh, Blumenthal did. and me on Purim? I will. He's super share that I love hanging out with Ariel. It's, yes, I do. That is one of my favorite parts of Purim. It's very uh, Leibdick in our Ooh, house. Good. I like, like that one. Yeah. That was great. I will I'm say actually, for I'm all actually, my wife. I'm taking the question back. Around, <laughs> No, no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go right at Robinson Goldberg and ask her where Rabbi Goldberg ends up at the end of his perm suit every year. But uh, you know, for all the joking this year, because we're still trying to figure perm out, I will say for all the joking, the Robinsons do love perm. They love the house, open all day, people coming by, the chaos of the experience. My kids look forward to it all year round. The suit is beautiful. It's amazing. It's inspirational. So you know, for all the like joking around about it. It's a really beautiful experience, and that's why they're going to miss it a lot this year. Yeah. It is a beautiful experience. Well, it's funny because this year, this year Hashem is kind of calling all the women's bluff about Purim, because from women often complain about Purim and Simchas Torah. And uh, so this year, I don't know about you. I said, do you have a, we can't really have a pseudo. We're not going to do anything. She said, what do you mean? We, we have to do something. I said, no, no, every year you say you can't stand and the people who come through and me the way I am. So we're just going to call it off. Called the, the, the Purim Bluff. So this is the grand Purim Bluff year. But we're all going to make the most of it and have a beautiful Purim with whatever we can, with whatever we can in it. Um, Re- I was going to ask the next question, but I'm, I'm getting myself into trouble in the 10 o'clock hour. I was going to ask. Uh, this is where it all goes. This is the best part. Yeah, go ahead. Can I just say, I feel like I'm on that down, you know, that um, that Disney back, back, stage disney tour Behind where disney. we got to see like everything that was going on under this is how i'm watching and he's going on this and he's putting this and putting on the ticker board yeah, in case in case you've been hearing like, the full view of how we direct and produce and create yeah. and basically rebbits is going to be the new producer the of behind the bema you should give people tours if you're like, hearing cool. whispering throughout this podcast Let's just say this episode, the feedback didn't wait till after it was over. <laughs> but why are you switching the screen? Yeah, and why are you so time. distracted? And you're so ADD and I can't, I can't focus. Yeah, My Goldberg, you've been doing a lot of asking. Let me ask uh, Rebitson Goldberg a question mm-hmm. that yeah, put her on the spot a little bit. And that is as follows. Uh, obviously, Rebitson Goldberg, your husband, is a very public personality. He's giving drushes all the time, shirim, writing articles, and many of his classes are somewhat self-revealing. He tells stories about the family. He tells stories about himself. I'm curious, 
as the spouse of a rabbi like that. Um, how do you feel about that? Do your kids ever mind sometimes when he tells stories about the family? Do you ever mind when he reveals something in an Amuna class or in a drusha or in an article or behind the bima, for example, that sometimes you'll cringe and say, ooh, I wish you didn't do that. Um, does it ever make you feel uncomfortable? Are you used to the publicity of the, of the role at this point? Take us behind the scenes as a Rebetzin. Go behind the machitza. Simone, should I accept this like five question question or should I pass? Because that wasn't on the script. In the question. I don't know. Wasn't that like part of the deal? That you have to have one question in the question? Okay. So I will answer it. Um, Yeah. So it's it's funny. I think that between the two of us, I'm probably more of a private person. And, um, you know, I, I feel that that's a value. That's something that I try to keep things private. I don't know, I'm, you know, personal. Um, but I think that part of his charm and his success and, and how he feels that he connects to those people who might not even be in our community, but all over, I think that's something that he feels is helpful in his position and to be able to uh, share and be authentic. And that's something that is a tool. And um, I think he, he has a lot of heart. So everything that he does and he teaches is with his heart and with his whole being and his soul. And, and that's who he is. He doesn't, he's not an act. He's very much who he is, you know, through and through. And he, uh, I, I forgot some of your questions. Could you go back? What were, what were some of the questions? I'm self-revealing. Okay. So does it make me uncomfortable? There are times it does where I feel like that ah, you didn't have to go there that you didn't have to mention. We didn't have to repeat that story. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting, the difference between, I mean, we actually have like older, no, a few of us have older kids now who really understand and listen into these shows and these classes. And, you know, we were in a, a pizza store last summer and someone came over and said, oh, did you find your daughter's shaitzel? Did it ever come up? I'm like, how do people know that her shaitzel was lost in the mail before her wedding? Like because he spoke about it in a Muna class and you have to have Bitachon and, you know, things work out. And, you know, people know a lot about us just from listening to his classes. And, and it's just, it always amuses me. So, so I typically find it amusing. I think it's fine. There's really nothing that's ever been revealed. That's been like too crazy, but every once in a while I'll be like, ah, you know, it doesn't have to give everything away. You know, it could be a little bit mysterious. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and uh, and I think our kids are pretty cool about it also. You know, it's, it's funny that they know a lot about the Goldberg family, the whole we world. Have some, yeah, we have some kids who are like, don't ever mention me. Don't ever mention you're related to me. Right. But most of our kids are like, please mention me as much as you can. Kellyvanatara.com. <laughs> <laughs> but please mention God. me as much as possible. None of our kids have a resentful, like a resentful of being the rabbi. Don't want to be known. They're all very proud. They're all in this with us. And I'll I tell you a great see. story. First of all, life is so much better when you live it and then you can share it. So, but earlier this evening, I'm sitting here in my study and I was working from home as I'm asked to do often. And I was on a Zoom and a mashulach comes and knocks on the door and I hear my eight-year-old Shai, our eight-year-old answers the door and he's telling this mashulach who probably only speaks Yiddish. He's telling him, my father's not available. He's on an important Zoom. But this mashulach never heard of Zoom, never heard of technology, the internet. So he said, he's in an important room? So the eight-year-old said, no, an important Zoom. What room? He's in an important Zoom. Can I go into the important room? And it's going in circles and circles. As Shai is trying to explain to him, he's in an important Zoom. And I'm cracking up in my important Zoom listening to that conversation. And you know what's funny? You think I'm an open book. I pale in comparison to Rabbi Brody. Rabbi, for example, social media, I don't post personal things. Rabbi Brody, open book? Open, open book. Simone, how do you feel about that? (laughs) The Friday Night Live group, I think, knows 
everything about our life. I think when I was in labor, he was like telling them like that I was dilated. I was like, seriously, this like, took that thing, like yeah, he's very open with them. And the funny thing is, he's actually more private in general. His, he's personally more private. So I find it amusing that he shares a lot about me and our family with um, with navigation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about the Madam shop talk? Shop private? In, 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 you know, I don't. I don't tell any. Like, if it's uh, you know, friends, I, I, I don't want to tell anyone anything about my life. Exactly. But in front of like 500 people, I'm happy to share. <laughs> exactly everything. To share. Get a laugh. That is the phenomenon of, yeah, of a social media of technology. That if you're not seeing people, you're in front of a screen. It's easier to you know right. expose and share, right. and and you wouldn't do it in person necessarily. It's it's really right. That's how it is there. Yeah. What about the shop ties? Open book, a little more closed. Closed. So I, I find that honestly, the, the I teach high school also, that the students always look for more. So sometimes they're just trying to like you know stall and not learn stuff, and so like they look for anything. Um, I've taught a number of the Goldberg girls also. Always like the, the student, the girl, especially in the, the girls' classes, want to know more and more and more about you. Um, and sometimes it's a stall tactic, but sometimes they sort of relate more. They like people relate to us as like real people. Like okay, like yeah, we also have they also have these challenges and difficulties and like i was once in high school and it was challenging like real stories and it does make it more personable um but you become a little bit more vulnerable also like and so there's a little bit of a balance so in school i try to be more bad more thoughtful about it i think um what yes and what not and like is there going to be more of a value to it um in shul so then if i think there's value I, I'll, I'll share a little bit more here and there uh, my kids are often there um and so it's can be more of it like you know they'll give me like a look um like, and you know not to but um you know they're older kids so they're there in shul and so like they're part of it so uh some are more okay with it than others yeah they're part of they're part of the program like it or not we're gonna do an episode with the kids at one point that should be fun okay. what about the blumenthal's Eliza, is your husband an open book how do you feel when he's given a drusha do you know what's coming does he review the drusha with you beforehand or are you ever okay. sitting there i'm talking pre-corona and then you hear a story and you say we, we didn't talk about that i didn't give clearance on that no yeah, he's pretty good usually the things that he shares are things that i'm fine with but we're, we're pretty open with a lot of things millennials. So. that's a millennial oh. thing <laughs> sure cool that must be must be everything to a millennial i, I, I will tell you the great the greatest story involving the rabbinate and our children was uh, the Shabbos a year ago, year plus ago, that uh, the Goldbergs came oh, yeah. to visit for Shabbos. And I yell at Blumenthal, um, <laughs> saw a family coming to visit for Shabbos. And the first question she asked was, are you moving to BRS West? She said to me, are you checking out the community? That's it. <laughs> checking, it are you checking it out with your grandchildren? That's it. <laughs> so that was, that, uh, that was awesome. But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the truth. I, I often feel... <laughs> I have to interrupt you because that is by far... By the way, I'll say, I'm sending Gabriel... The best comment. I'm Gabriel. Best behind the beam alive comment of all time. Dr. Shabtai's book. Thank you, Gabriel. Can someone check Rabbi Brody's phone right now and whether he's on YouTube as Gabriel? That's probably my mom. Hold on. Someone's got to read the comment because our listeners on the podcast. By the way, if you're listening to the podcast, don't forget to rate and review. But what is this comment? Somebody read it, please. 
Josh looks like Tom Cruise when he smiles. <laughs> I will wow. say that my mom does say that I have the whitest teeth on uh, behind the Bima. Just throwing it out there. Oh, wow. really? Wow. Should, I'm not saying I'm not saying anyone's out there not good. Going there with the mom? Exactly. We have to uh, we have to thank our dear friends across the globe, but we are at $81,500. When we started this campaign, it was a pipe dream. Nobody knew what was going to come in. Nobody knew how many friends we really have, but there are 637 supporters. And the goal is to hit our 100,000, but the goal also is to get to our 900 because we have 900 local members. We'd love to match it with 900 global members and really be expanding our community. So from the bottom of our hearts, we want to thank the people who gave. If you haven't given yet and you enjoy the content that we put out, please take a moment. Go on brsonline.org slash global, brsonline.org slash global. And you can give either for Rabbi Brody, who's going to try to catch him up. He is currently $400 behind Rabbi Moskowitz. Or you can give and bring the Shabtai brothers into four digits. And uh, so name one of them, give in their honor and help bring us Help bring us along. Um, what are the questions? What, what's on? What's That's on our another great question. A question just came in. How does Simone feel that her mother-in-law is being mentioned in every single episode? I love my mother-in-law, so it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's it's all good. It's a very what special relationship. Her? Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Mm-hmm. Isn't this almost over? Next- <laughs> <laughs> We are just I'm getting started. Interview. I'm not sure how it's ten thirty at night. <laughs> Wait, I don't know who this. <laughs> I gotta Google that. We we are just Comments getting started. Thank you again. In. If you want to get a signed autograph copy of the brand new Safer Hiding in Plain Sight, Rabbi Doctor Moss, Rabbi Doctor Shabtai, then hundred right, dollars right now during the show while we are live. Listeners and watchers, please text in what is on your mind. What do you want to hear our Rebbitsons reveal about themselves, about us, about the life of the rabbinate? What do you want the rabbis to talk about? Get to meet our entire staff and family. Not our entire. First of all, we should mention Jeffrey Goldgrab, our incredible new COO, Chief Operating Officer, and his wonderful wife, Meira, are unable to be on tonight, but are an enormous part of our team. And we're thinking about them and love them. We can't wait to bring them back on in a future episode. And Rabbi Zions, Rabbi Eli Zions, and Rabbi Zions, of course, our teen rabbi. We don't have a teen director, a teen youth. We have a teen rav, a teen rabbi. That's what he is. And all, it's a real coherent, amazing team together. What else is on your mind? What else do you want to know? What else do you want to hear? Rabbi Zerbitsons, what else is going on in your life? Well, why don't you make everyone know that they're not held hostage here? If they need to leave, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> they could be dismissed. No, no, no they no. are held yeah, hostage. Just all like the rabbis should leave week. and let the women just have a little, nice, nice chat. <laughs> An episode of Behind the Machitza? No, no, no. Yeah. We need to get to $100,000. So, you know, we've still got uh, 18500 to go. The night is young. Our needs are Diet Coke then. And apparently, what else is uh, what so else? You is... know, I have a question Ooh. that's based on the last conversation, okay. and I think it's interesting. It's an interesting point. You know, in the olden days, or even when we were growing up, the rabbis were very much they were on kind of a pedestal, they were a little bit like untouchable. They gave their drushas if you needed to meet with them, they were available, but you didn't really know everything about them. They weren't so accessible to you. There was certainly not social media, you didn't have their cell phone number. It wasn't like that. And they had a little like a certain mystique to them where, you know, you kind of aspired that, you know, to, you looked up to them, they had this appeal, but it wasn't that like super friendly, very comfortable kind of rapport that you had with your rabbi. And I think I, it could be a generational thing. <laughs> Why are you laughing? What? 
It could be, I'm taking over for you. Because someone just sent me a picture. Someone sent you a picture? Of Henry Hill. <laughs> can you share it? You got to share the picture. No, no, keep going. I'm sorry. Go, but can you share it? No, no, please. I'm having a good Please. No, no, look like Robin Moskowitz. Please come. No, not at all. Ooh. Not at all. Um, yeah. So what was the question? Good luck. Yes. Good? I feel okay. better. Purim, Purim's coming. Purim. Right. So anyway, so my point is that this like has him. evolved into a rabbi being a lot more approachable, a lot more um, relatable, a lot more on your level, and exactly. always out there and posting He's and true. commenting, and you know, very much more. Um, you, you're very much more candid. What are you, what are you trying to tell me right now in <laughs> front of the whole world? <laughs> what are you getting at? What, what are you getting at? What no, is the what feedback saying, you're trying to give me right now, Elizabeth? The different styles of, of the rabbinate of, you know, is this just a reflection on our generation or is it something that's that's preferred? Hold on, which one? Wait, I get a mobster. Rabbi Brody gets you got a mob. So is it a generational thing? That's the question. Is it a generational thing? The rabbi is a generational thing. No, you I do don't. don't. I'll, I'll share Rabbi Goldberg, Rabbi Blumenthal, and I were once at a conference, and a conversation like this took place about being friends with late with Balabatim, and uh, there was a very robust conversation about whether or not rabbis could actually be friends with their Balabatim, and it was not a generational thing. The, the pre- predominantly rabbis felt that they could not be friends, like legitimate friends, with their Balabatim. And with a great amount of pride, I'll say that Rabbi Goldberg, Rabbi Blumenthal, and I felt very much the opposite. Not only can you, but we felt it was necessary to for our humanity, for our for just being normal. We needed to allow ourselves to be vulnerable and be friends with people. So I don't think it's a generational thing. I think many rabbis have been burnt along the way when they make themselves vulnerable, when they open up, when they make themselves more accessible. And then something happens and they're reminded that they're a paid employee of the shul. So I don't think it's a generational thing. I think it's experience sometimes in the rabbinate will will burn someone. Um, but, uh, but again, I personally feel that it's critical, it's necessary to being who you are and true to who you are and to being a real person. So what you're saying is we're outliers. BRS, the rabbis, <laughs> Rebetzins are outliers in the rabbinate. I remember that conference because the three of us really took on the whole rest of the of the conference and the rabbis, and they didn't even comprehend, like, what does it mean? You're an, in the end of the day, you're an employee. They have to, either because of your kavod, you have to be makbed on it, they have to show you honor, how could you possibly make yourself vulnerable, or you're a fool to be vulnerable, you'll just get stabbed in the back. And we spoke about, you know, we have those concerns also, and we're careful to navigate it, but we also have really genuine relationships and love and friendships and family and connections and, and wouldn't be in it if it meant we couldn't have that. And we feel very, uh, very connected to that. So I, you know, I agree with you. I don't know if that was generational. People of different ages were there who, who felt that way. Who I, felt think, that I, way. I remember part of that. Yeah, sorry. There is, there is like a, a little bit of a generational piece in that I think once upon a time, um, people could have, at least could attempt to put themselves on a pedestal. Meaning like in a world where you're inaccessible, like most of the time, you know, you have office hours and a home line and that's it. That's so, cute. Um, so, you know, if you want to put yourself on a pedestal, then I suppose it's possible. I, I think, I think today it's impossible. Uh, like, I don't think it's, it's, it's a, it's a human possible thing for any of us to put ourselves on that kind of pedestal because by the nature of the world that we live in, like we are, we are accessible. We're on, we're on social media. We're, we're in shul. We're on WhatsApp. Like 
you know, everybody has everybody's cell phone numbers. And the hardest thing <coughs> is, is always like just managing how to how to be able to deal with the influx of everybody that feels like, you know, I'm reaching out to you. I don't I reach out to you for the first time, uh, you know, in, in a week. And, you know, how come you didn't write back right away? Um, because we are we are so accessible in a way that people, I think, were not so accessible before, which I think means by definition, by definition, people understand our vulnerabilities. Like, I always, I always uh, joke with, like, the Gaza Chul that when you're with the same people on a regular basis, you see the same people every single day when you come to Minion. So... If you're having a bad day, are they having a bad day? So that's visible. It's it's not like it's not an invisible thing that like you nobody sees like into your life. Because maybe you could put the act on if that's all that you did. Like you came out of your office for an hour for Shachris and an hour for Minchamariv, and then the rest of the time you were behind closed doors. But like especially in you know Zoom land today, so you know, if if I'm if I'm giving a shear and I'm tired, like I get a WhatsApp from my mom being like, "How come you're tired?" Like, it's it's visible. Like everybody everybody can see what's going yeah, on. You can't hide anything. It's you all it's all on full display. Plus, being that. young, yeah. yeah. Plus, being young, you know, we're still young, by the way, for the record, in case anybody's <laughs> asking. But no, no, your kids are in school with other people's kids. Those kids are in your home. So, all rabbis were young at one point. But our memory, I think, of most of our rabbis was that their kids were already graduated or out of their house. We think of our rabbis as more established in that age, you know, as opposed to kids being overlapping in school and, and in time when it was safe, play dates and kids being in, in each other's homes. We got a ton of questions coming in and they are fascinating. I'm going to skip right to one by Matthew Miller. The great Matthew Miller is also a big part of our team. And thank you to Matthew for all of the help uh, that he gives us. He wants to know what are our go-to party tricks, but I'll rephrase the question. Rabbi Shabtai, Rabbi Shabtai, what is a website that you couldn't live without in the rabbinate. What is indispensable? And it could be a source of Torah, could be a source of general secular wisdom, could be a tool or a hack that helps you prepare source sheets. But what is a website that if you found out tomorrow that that website's gonna cost you $50,000 to get access to, you'd be in really big trouble? Otsar uh, Chachma, again through IU. Um, in, you know, Boca is, it, it's a huge community, but we're still officially out of town. So, like, we have a lot of Sfarim, but not like I, I lived in Washington Heights for 13 years. I was by the YU library <clears throat> every day. I'm used to having access, and you can access everything. It makes you feel like you can be part of everything. You have access to everything. Um, that, and in all honesty, Rabbi Pinchas Friedman, Shavile Pinchas. Vile wow. uh, Pinchas. He is my go-to guy for everything. Yeah. Wow. Another unpredictable fact about Rabbi Doctor Shabtai. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> Gush to yeah. Colombia to the Shvile Pinchas. Oh, you have no idea. Shvile Pinchas all the way. <clears throat> Let me just mention, as we've hit the hour and a half mark, that. Behind the Bema is going to go back to being an hour. It's just these two weeks of our global campaign that we're doing telethon style. Mm -hmm. Have no fear. There were people who came up to me last week and they were like upset. Like I stay up so late. I couldn't wake up the next morning. I was like, you know, you can turn it off. You don't have to listen. It wasn't like we kept you at Kol Nidre longer than you had to be there. You don't have to listen. You can make it up the next day or not listen at all. So we will go back to our normal hour. But tonight we are going as long as you stay with we'll
with us and so many more interesting things to talk about. Again, I want to thank dailygiving.org. If you haven't gone on yet, go on dailygiving.org, become a member, and give credit to Behind the Bima and BRS, brsonline.org slash global. Help us meet our campaign. The other rabbis and rebbitsons, what are the websites, the apps, the tools that help you in communal leadership that you could not live without? You'd be in trouble if they took away. Google. <laughs> Google's a good one. Google's. I love one. the the OU's Daf Yomi app. Rabbi Rosner and Rabbi Resnick. You got the oh. one hour version, and you got the fifteen minute. If you're, you know, it's Mosei Shabbos, right. you get the fifteen minute Daf, which is great. And also, uh, you know, Apple Music. I don't think I could live without Apple Music right now. Mm, those are the two. Um, CRC app. Um, Everyone thinks I know everything about Hakkafas. I don't. One hundred percent. I'm so with you. We cheat. Seriously, people don't realize that. We always talk about that. People text us Pesach Shilas all the time, and and we're just looking at the app. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, you guys can do this also. We just do it more often, so we know it better. But the CR, that's a good one. The CRC. Everyone should download it. Yeah, I almost had a heart attack the other day because the head of the CRC was a good friend of mine sent me uh, the draft, or maybe it's public now, and it wasn't even some uh, inside thing, of the new CRC Pesach guidelines. It's not even Purim yet, and the Pesach guidelines, and it's just a, a reminder that the, those questions come. are about to come, which we love and we welcome because we want to help as much as we can. But you're also free to just go right to the CRC app, <laughs> uh, which might be another good Yeah, resource. text so, us. It's fun. Yeah, text us. It's a good way to be in touch. Uh, Rebbe Tzemaskowitz. The CRC app is very, CRC very is helpful. One. Rebbe Tzemaskowitz, MD now? What's what's your website? I'm just joking. <laughs> well, for, yeah. No, for, well, I was going to say it changed the question a little bit. Not a website per se, but I think, especially during Corona, the way to keep in touch with people is yeah. a text, a WhatsApp. Um, that's really been crucial because, oops. Yeah, you're good, um, because we can't, you know, we can't see everyone. So I found that, you know, a quick text, a quick call, a quick WhatsApp has been really helpful, you know, helping me keep connected. I'm actually loving the Zoom meetings. I know Zoom is used for everything, but even the WhatsApp video um, for some of the groups that we have for sure, like our youth committee meetings, where they used to get together at like my dining room table to have meetings and Ping pong dining room table. Thank you. <laughs> Life hack. Um, but uh, has made it so much easier that all the women, even if their kids are like jumping on on the app, we're still able to have our meeting and stuff. So I don't know if that's going to stay afterwards. Maybe we won't have our meetings in person or not. But uh, WhatsApp video has been really helpful. You can do it as a group. It's funny. We've been attempting to like do the Monday morning staff meeting in person, I think for like two months, right. <laughs> two months. like every week. It's like, are we going to be doing it in person? It's like, yeah, it's probably just easy to turn on Zoom. It's too enticing. You know, it's too enticing because the comfort and the convenience in your case, those of you who teach at a school not close, you have to come back to the campus in person meeting. So, the, you know, that's the that's this. Um, tension between the convenience and the comfort versus the energy of being in person that comes out from those meetings. Is there a tool, an app, a website, something that you couldn't live without? I actually was going to say what Ariel said about WhatsApp and texting. I actually um, started a while ago a broadcast group on WhatsApp that just tries to get women to know about upcoming programs and classes, events and everything. And I found that I would text on that group different programs and then I would sometimes text people individually and they would write back and say, is this just for me or are you sending it to the whole broadcast group? And I realized that it just took away from me being able to personally text people because it got confused. So I switched it over now to a WhatsApp group that's not a broadcast group and everyone knows that they're in it. And if anyone wants to join it, 
text me because I'm happy to put you what on. Ca- what kind of things do you put in that group? Um, I just try to, you know, it, it, sometimes it's inspirational thought. Uh, most often it's an upcoming class that's special for women or a program that women I feel will appreciate. Um, more lately, it's been like outside Zooms of um, different programs that are really, um, you know, pertain to women that I feel like they might learn from it or appreciate and just uh, to try to notify everyone of what's what's out there, what's available. And, you know, if there's a boutique coming up or if there's a, you know, stuff in the community, just to get the women to aware connected. of everything. And it's a way for me to, you know, be out there and connect also. Yeah. And actually, Yochebet inspired me because now I'm starting a Chesed Initiative um, WhatsApp group broadcast that Yochebet showed me how to do, um, which hopefully will share more to more people what's out there for people to get involved in. Yeah, That's but don't great. forget, every time you need a Devar Torah, your favorite thing, you, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg. Yeah. .org. That's it. Can't live without that one. Tonight it's about tonight it's about the global campaign. We have broken eighty-two thousand dollars, and we are on our way to our hundred thousand mark. So again, thank you to everybody who's helpful. But I want to bring up this comment from our listener David Wolkin, who writes that he donated to Safari for the first time after using it every day for a year because of our last episode and what we spoke about, which is this phenomenon that there are all these free things that enrich our lives enormously. But because they're free, we assume there's someone else's problem. Let somebody else pay or support. And we therefore often neglect to do our part. Um, but everybody, if you benefit and you enjoy something, you should contribute and do your part. And whether it's Safaria or Wikipedia or Yutora or whether it's BRS, the Booker Town Synagogue, BRSonline.org slash global to do your part, we all can. I commented to Yecheva today, you know, we have, um, we have one of our married kids and our grandson in Israel and our third daughter's in her year in Israel. And uh, we have a daughter in New York, so we're sort of spread out a little bit, starting to be at that stage of life. But with WhatsApp video, you can have everybody on one screen, and you can be... And I said, you know, we joked that when you go to Disney and they have the Carousel of Progress, it is so obsolete and outdated. That's that, Spaceship Earth. Oh, whatever it's called. Spaceship Earth? <laughs> uh, but both, I guess. They show the future, and the future is like a few Right. They show years the future, which is like 10 <laughs> years ago's technology. Yes, right. So now you have this technology. So I, I said, I said, we talk to our kids, Baruch Hashem, every day a lot. And in fact, usually we talk to them more once they get out of the house than when they live in it. We see them more and talk to them much more once they graduate the house than when they're in it. So I said, could you imagine if we had to pay for every one of these phone calls between America and Israel? Imagine if we had to bring in video conferencing systems and put in the technology and pay for the, and instead for free, for nothing. I said, WhatsApp, what's the cost of it? Is that you have all my information? Big isn't, it's a small price to pay as far as I'm concerned for the ability to video chat our grandson whenever we want, however long we want, 6,000 miles away for free, which a much better connection than some of us had tonight. It's really amazing. <laughs> so all kinds of all kinds of free things we benefit from, but we should express that appreciation for it. And I don't know how I would have been a rabbi without the internet. Because just the information, the world is at your fingertips to look, to research, to find, to share, to post, both as a consumer and to be able to distribute and share. It's a great gift to living in this age. I think about that often when I read Rabbi Lamb's old drushes, Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb's old drushes. And what's amazing about them is not just the content and how relevant it was for that day and age, and really it's timeless messages, but that he did it all without the internet, right? And it was when he was quoting the New York Times, like he actually sat there and, and read the New York Times. And when he right. quoted a source, it's because he knew that source. He couldn't go into Google and type it in in Hebrew and show up the you know 150 places that it appears in all of the midrashim. So I'm enamored when I read his drushas, other um, rabbis from previous generations. And it's, uh, it's incredible what they were able to accomplish. Yeah. 
Rabbi Dr. Shabtai, can you give us the 60-second elevator pitch for the book? What is what is the theme? Oh, go ahead, you're much better. It's okay. You can hold it up. <laughs> the, the new book, and if you give $180 while we're still going in the show, you will get a signed autographed copy. And if you give an even more amount, you'll get an autograph also by Rabbi Brody. And if you give even right. more, Simone will sign it too. <laughs> so Rabbi Shabtai, give us the 60-second quick version of, of summary of the book. Uh, the main idea is that Pretty much the more and more I learned about the Megillah is that I think that the main story of Purim, the main message of Purim is to see the Yad Hashem in the world. That's the goal of Purim. Not only the message that we are supposed to take from reading the story, but it was written specifically to show how the characters in the story themselves actually come to that realization. And things change in the story when they realize that. That's how the story changes when they realize that they have the ability to be part of it. They see the Hashem, they grab it, um, and then they can be part of it. And I think that's not only so we should learn from it to see that they themselves did, and that's uh, and that's how they were saved. You don't you don't want to miss it. Get it while it's hot before they are all out of print. Hundred eighty dollars gets you a copy, autographed, signed uh, by the author himself, who happens to be here. What is your favorite rabbis and rebbitzins? Your favorite moment of the year as a Rabbi Rebetzin. I don't mean your favorite moment of the year, like I'm on vacation and finally I can, you know, not have that be part of my identity. I mean, within shul life, it could be a holiday, it could be a shul dinner, it could be a gathering, it could be a event. What's your favorite annual moment of the year as a Rebetzin or one of the Rabbonim you look forward to, you count down towards? I'll take that first while everyone else thinks. Oh, you go first. You go first. Ni'ila. For sure, Ni'ila. There's nothing like Ni'ila. There's an experience. There's an energy in the room, a passion in the room. I love seeing people who might not have been to the davening all throughout the Yom Harim and by Ni'ila, they're, they're in it. Their eyes are closed and you've done something to touch their heart and to uplift their soul. And they're finally ready to have that conversation with Hashem. And, you know, when we look out at that, to me, that's, that's everything right there. Ni'ila's good. I have an Maybe answer, but it's, yeah, and probably not uh, going to expect this one. When we first moved here, um, and we went to our first hodul. Now, I'm not into, I can't really follow the game, the football <laughs> game. However, I was I was just enamored that every aspect of, you know, every different community in Boca, every school, every shul, everyone in Boca comes together for a good fun, and just really, it's a feel-good feel community event. You can explain what, uh, what the Hope Ball is, a Thanksgiving uh, Boca Ball. party. Flag football, football tournament. Yes. So I, I was not expecting that. I know, right? Wow. Yeah. Flag football tournament. Let me just say, it started several years ago. I think before anyone but Rabbi Brody was here, but he'd never heard of what football, still has no idea what it is. <laughs> but none of you were living here yet. The men's club for fun, Thanksgiving morning. People were off from work. We always have learning, Yemi Yun, Shirim, but a flag football tournament. I played in the first few seasons. It was fun. It was just very casual. And it became so competitive. They rent enormous fields. People fly in, sponsored uniforms, referees, sponsored food. We have the and you couldn't walk kids. for days got... after. Remember that? You couldn't walk for days afterwards. Yes. Hamstrings were killing. All the yes. weekend warriors would come teams. in to show that Shabbos. All the yeah. weekend warriors would come in to show that Shabbos, and we'd be limping, and our arms would be hurting. The flag football tournament. In fact, one year, Rabbi Lord Sachs, Zechot Tzadik was in our community that weekend, and he did the coin toss. To start the Hodu Bowl. 
One of the great memories right. of, uh, of his visits to our community. Rebetzin Goldberg, what is your highlight? What is the moment you look forward and count down towards? Can I give a few answers? Wow. Per just to give yeah. everyone the width and breadth of our community to really yeah, make them... Make sure you leave okay. some for the I don't, others. I think there are other... I, think, I don't think anyone's going to think of these. Okay. The first one that came to my mind is the Hasanim on Simchas Torah. I don't know about you, but every time that they... In our shul, they do the most beautiful tribute. They pick four... Um, you know, men in the community, sometimes rabbis, sometimes, you know, gabbis, sometimes anyone who's made contributions to the community or is just a really good guy. And they, it's like their bar mitzvah. They're giving them a whole speech and a whole, it's beautiful. And it's Lift very the emotional. Lifting on their, yeah, yeah, they put the chuppah over them and they're carrying them over to the bima. It's, it's just, I always find it to be extreme. I, I've often cried. I think it's just so moving. And their wife is in the woman's section and, and he always talks about the wives, the Ishes Chayel, the, you know, backbone of, you know, the family. It's it's just it's always very very beautiful to me every year I, I look right, forward to that. That's number one. That's number one. Number I love two. I love that time also. Is, by the way. Yeah, it's a great time. The number two, something that was recent that I'm really going to miss this year, is the rabbi's perm spiel. Our community. <laughs> doing it. Oh, you are doing it. We're doing it, Rabbi Brody. Okay. Tell him when we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing the whole thing. Oh, I didn't know. You <laughs> heard no, it here first. Rabbi Brody, do you know that we're doing it? No, I had no idea we're doing it. Oh, we're doing Vishinantam. Oh, we are? This year we're yeah. doing a special Vishinantam Purim spiel at Vishinantam. <laughs> Outdoors, Purim night, Purim play. 8.15 yeah. p.m. I, I, the reason why I bring it up Gobi, is You need because... the breaking news thing for that. No, oh. no, please don't. <laughs> please <laughs> do it. Please don't. don't. Here, here's why I think that that's very special and I think it's important for other, our listeners to hear this from all around the globe. Because when you talk about this campaign and you talk about what the personalities of BRS do and what they contribute to the lives of everyone, um, there's something very special about this group of rabbis who take time on Purim, which is a holiday that they very much want to spend time in their kitchens and, you know, with their buddies and, you know, doing their perm thing. Oh, and kitchens. You know, I mean, with, 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 with the Lashka, you know? But what they do is they, they're in shul and all families come and kids love it and they put on this such a creative and entertaining show and they're so funny and they always use current events and it's just something that the community, I think they fun. look at these rabbis like they're not just teaching Torah, right. they're not just, but they're, but they want to make it fun for us and they, they just put themselves out there in such a, a, an entertaining way and I, I always think that's really beautiful. We're entertained, and apparently Yochevet is. I'm not I'm sure how many others are. The third are. thing, <laughs> and sure then I'm going to let everyone else enjoy it. The third, the third event, and again, this shows you how much BRS offers and what this community means to everyone, is the fact that they every year have had a Yom HaShoah program. And at this Yom HaShoah program, it's always extremely meaningful. They always find programs that are going to be very um, impactful and very inspiring and to make us really understand um, the loss and, and, you know, what the Holocaust meant to all of us. But they also have this candle lighting ceremony where they have survivors light the six wow. candles and then they have survivors' children go up and light the next candles and they have survivors' grandchildren go up and light the next candles. And, and everyone in the family feels such a part of remembering the Holocaust and learning about the Holocaust. And, and it's a very, very emotional time. And I, I personally feel that that's what community is about to remember who we are as a people, what we've been through and what we can learn from it. And every year the Yom HaShoah program is, is so inspirational and beautiful. That is a highlight. And, so uh, those are my three. And there are a ton more, but that's what I could continue to have yeah. the survivors. Before we hear the others, just this just in. Howard Svi Goldfisher, wow. BRS, miss you guys. Nice to see you. A lifetime ago, former youth founder. director, founder of Vishinanta, the real founder, Brody. We started of founding <laughs> seasons again like for, after he left, but he was the real founder. 
Wow, it's good. It's good to hear from him. And everybody, continue. The you know, thank you so much. The support is coming in. We are beyond grateful for your partnership, for your support, for your love. Go to dailygiving.org throughout the year to give. Join us in our global campaign tonight. Who hasn't gone? Highlight of the year, countdown, favorite moment, goosebump moment of the year, Rabbi Brody. Well, definitely Vishinantam is something we we look forward to every year. It's uh, the longest running program we've ever had in the shul, and uh, it keeps on going. But I love looking forward to high holidays. I love doing. Wait, what the, is it? Uh, Tell what is Vishinantam? Vishinantam is our family learning program, which is I would say probably eight and under, zero to eight. We have kids that come like they're maybe a day or two old, up until eight years old. And uh, this past year, we did it outside. It was great on the lawn, front front lawn. And we do singing, there's learning. We do a lot of fun things, um, lots of prizes. We got the Vishnanta for the young kids. Then we got Abbas Subhanim and Mother Daughter. Abbas That's a that's, that's yeah. That that's a. That's Did you a have anyone? You have anyone crash? <laughs> did you have a a, a bomber at the uh, Vishnanta this year? Yeah, we did. It was amazing. You have this incredible singer who was a guest on Behind the Beam, Simcha Liner. All of a sudden, he's jogging around the circle and he's videotaping himself. He's like live on, he's streaming his jog or something. All of a sudden, he's like, I hear some incredible music. What's going on over there? I hear all these children singing. Next thing you know, he comes and he starts singing for all the kids and their families. It was a really, really special moment. That's great. And we will be back with season 22. Actually, it works out that the first night, uh, I guess that's the first Shabbos in December is actually going to be Hanukkah this year. So we're going to be season 22 opening night, Shabbos Hanukkah. Amazing. Simone, you have a highlight? Top moment of the year? You said all the good ones. You're not supposed to put me on the spot, remember? <laughs> uh, never mind, never mind. Sorry. I met Rabbi Shabtai. What what is your highlight of the of the year? Is it the Hilula, the Mamuna, like oh, no. Bonfire? What is it? Um Monica wants to go. Go ahead. No, so actually I guess I'm learning from Yuchavet. I have two. Um so the first one is the first night of Slichot. Um it's the coolest thing. It's usually at like five in the morning. And Everyone comes out of the woodworks. There are men without kippahs, tank tops, men with hats on. Everyone comes out of the woodworks for that first night of slichot um, at five in the morning. And it's and they're screaming and they're loud and they're enthusiastic and they're drinking coffee and tea. Um, and it's incredible. Uh, very inspiring. And even though this year I did it on Zoom. <laughs> um, and, you know, one of my kids was actually awake at that hour for some reason. So, you know, he was with me. Um, but it's incredible. Um, and it sort of like before we go into the Yom Tov season reminds us of why we do this. Um, and the second one is I always love the Sisterhood L program. It's always amazing. They always find incredible speakers this year. They did the cooking show. Um, I always feel like it's a really busy time of year with school starting and school starting up. And they always do a great job of like putting us back in perspective and reminding us of like, and I, and I love that program. Well, now that I know I can wear a tank top to your sleeveless program, I'll be there. <laughs> you won't be the only one. You're, yeah, you won't be the only one. I won't be yeah. the only one. No. It, it, there's a thing. All Sephardim, no sleeveless. Like, doesn't matter where you're from. Like, everyone, it's it's the same tune. So one of my favorites is by also Ni'ila, um, because the Sephardic practices during Yom Kippur, we say sleeveless after every davening. So Askenazim do it after Mariv and after Ni'ila. We do it after Mariv, Shachrit. Musaf, Mincha, Ni'ila, and it's the same thing over and over and over. It's the same tune, so everyone is really, really into it by Ni'ila. I think it's also one of the most terrifying moments of the year, like getting up before Ni'ila to inspire people about, like, life. Like, this is it. This is where it really counts. This year was 
more terrifying I found um, mm-hmm. just because there was a lot to reflect on. I um, mean, one more, more uplifting, uh, also uh, holiday-related, is uh, Kol Na'arim. Um, it's not necessarily Sephardic practice, but the whole shul gets together. All the minyanim in the shul come together from Musaf of Simchas Torah, and we do Kol Na'arim with uh, some Guinness World Record, you know, talis. Right. And there are like 800 kids under there. And, Biggest um, talis in the whole world. And, and I, I always give a speech before, and I said, you know, even if you don't have kids, even if you think this is silly, just look at the future of the Jewish people because they're all sitting in front of you and they're just 800 more kids just sitting there and singing Hamalach HaGoel and it always brings me to tears and it's a, it's, I, I think it's just a wonderful. Yeah, you know, I just want to comment on that. First yeah. of all, thank you for raising it. These are all amazing moments and Blumenthal's will get to you in one second. But um, one of the things we do with that Kol Na'aram, we realized several years ago that it's one of the hardest days of the year for people struggling with infertility. Um, you know, women in general don't love Simchas Torah. We try to be a much more woman-friendly, accommodating, and, and inviting to, to have activity and partnership on, on Simchas Torah. But in particular, if somebody doesn't have children and wants them, Simchas Torah is not just a difficult day, it's a torturous, painful day. So we collect names in advance. Uh, we don't publicize them, obviously, just the rabbis have them. And we read a special tefillah, a special prayer before Kol Narum. So those 800 Young kids are sitting under a world record, literally, and I'm used literally, Shul Sinek intentionally. You can Google. We have the Guinness World Record talus. I don't remember the dimensions. Um, but 800 kids are underneath it. And before we sing Amalek, before that, we say a tefillah, we say a prayer for all those. And I'll tell you, it's, it's a highlight for me. Um, several times people have emailed. Unfortunately, tragically, it breaks my heart, and you know this because I shared the names just with the rabbis, the Hebrew names. Um, there's no shortage. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of names that come in not just locally, they come from elsewhere because people obviously will want as many davening for them as they can. And occasionally, I wish it were more, um, there'll be an email at some point during that year or the next that says, I gave you my name to daven. I want to let you know I just had a child. And, and it brings tears to your eyes. I'll actually take this moment to just mention that next week, there is a Jewish Fertility Support Summit, the 2021 Jewish Support Family Support Summit. It's taking place on uh, February 22nd, 8 to 9.30 p.m., free virtual event. Every Jewish organization involved in fertility is involved in this. Every, from all the segments of the Jewish community and the Jewish world, experts, amazing speeches. It really looks like a, a really beautiful program. Anyone who could benefit from it should, should check it out. You can Google it. Um, it's being hosted by I was supposed to have a baby.org. Uh, just the name of that organization itself evokes the pain of that experience. I was supposed to have a baby.org. The 2021 Jewish Support Summit, it's next week. Um, it looks really, really extraordinary, and you don't want to miss it. So that is definitely one of the highlight moments. Also, before we go to the Blumenthal's, this just in. This just and in. Because, po- I, because Paula I love Robbins life, I from Friday Night Live. That's right. Rabbi Brody has pulled ahead by 32 no hours. Friday Night Live represents. Paula and Warren Robbins, in honor of Paula Robbins, have contributed generously $500, moving Rabbi Brody ahead of Rabbi Moskowitz by a whopping $32. They will be getting their autographed book. And actually, actually in honor of Paula and Warren Robbins, they were one of the founders of our our Friday Night Live, started an explanatory... like a, like a spice color you know, high holiday minion. And it actually used to be in our, in our shul. It got to be so big. Paul and Warren were one of the, like the first couples that came to it. And now it's not even in the shul. We moved to BRS West. And that's how we got to know the BRS West community. And um, it's one of my highlights. Definitely. That is a great highlight. Uh, our fact checker has provided me with the dimensions. <laughs> 1,471.74 square feet is our talus. 40 feet by 40 feet. 
It's made up of 49 extra large talisim woven together. It is 40 feet by 40 feet, 1,471 square feet, Guinness World Record talus. And we daven for those who want to have a child, not only on Simchas Torah, but all throughout the year. In fact, I have the papers that have all that list of names. I stick it in my talus bag because I try to think about them all throughout the year. And I would love to hear more and more uh, good news. But those who don't yet have that good news, check out that summit. It looks like it's really uh, fantastic. Blumenthal's out in BRS West, Bimarava. Tell us out in Marav in the West. What are the highlight of the year for the two of you? Um, I really like okay. Simchas Torah. And you keep saying that women don't like it. And I'm like, I do. <laughs> so, it's uh, it's really fun over here. It's crazy how it, it's obviously grown in our community a lot. So it's gotten bigger and bigger. Uh, uh, my favorite is I feel like every hakafa over here kind of has a theme. And the fifth hakafa, usually that's when uh, my husband kind of slows everything down kind of brings all the kids into the middle. Um, we sort of sing Hamalach all together and it's really beautiful. It's really nice. And like some people, well, pre-corona, you know, put their arms around each other and like the whole shul kind of has a little kumzitz moment amidst all this craziness. And and I and I love it. And I, that's a time I love to reflect on and look around and see where our shul is building to, where it's going. And, and I just, I like to store that in my mind every year, except last year, of course. But, um, and uh, hopefully again, we'll be able to do that Oh, man, that's a beautiful image. Rabbi Rail. So I'll tell you, Ni'ila is, is always a highlight. Um, but in the last couple of years, uh, I'll, I'll share two things. Um, I find myself doing this, really, I think the last three or four years, after Ni'ila, after everybody goes home, after everybody, uh, you know, has broken their fast, I come back to shul. And I sit in shul, the lights are already off. Like everybody's like out of there. Machzarim are back on the shelves. And I, I come back to shul after like once everything is done. It's the greatest feeling in the whole world because it still feels like the room is reverberating. And that's and that's something that like that. Ni'ila gives me kach for the year. But like that moment gives me kach for like all the parts of the year that like you didn't even think to think about in Ni'ila. Mm. Um, so that's that's on a... I don't know how personally revealing we're supposed to be, but personally, that's apparently we're very. That's revealing. a uh, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's something that, that gives me a tremendous amount of strength. Um, that's that's on a very personal level. On a communal level, um, and you're gonna laugh, but my favorite my favorite moment the whole year is Shabbos Kiddush. Oh. And and we and we do. I mean, we've been uh, sort of certainly pre-corona, we were makped on doing some kind of shul kiddush, something. And as the shul grew and we had to like figure out, you know, how to scale up kiddush without it becoming unaffordable for people. I remember this conversation that I had with a couple of uh, the lay leaders at BRS West, where they're like, we got to figure out a budget for kiddush um, because like it's going to be too expensive. And I was like, I don't care. As long as there is a revise of grape juice and crackers for people to make Amazonas, we're going to have a kiddush every single week. Because Kiddush is where community happens. And it's an amazing thing. You, you see people that like, you know, people come to shul, they make it to shul, they don't make it to shul, they come on time and they don't come on time. The kids are running in and disturbing them or they're not. And, you know, these are all the, the flashback memories from before we were six feet apart and wearing masks. Um, but uh, for, for like a moment, for a moment, there's like the whole shul is... You know, davening's finished and people get to like actually schmooze and they're supposed to. 
Um, and nobody has to shush anybody. And nobody has to, uh, you know, nobody's being disturbed. And, and at that moment, you know, a shul we call a base knesses, which literally means like a place for people to get together. And that getting together aspect on a Shabbos is, it, it's the thing that gives me the most simcha and the most chizuk for the week ahead. And you connect with people. You get to connect with people. It's, it's the time, I, I tell Elise all the time, Shabbos Kiddush is the time that I feel most why I want to be a rabbi. Like it, it's, it's that moment of just being with the community, like being with Klal Yisrael, being with Chavra. It's the greatest thing in the world. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that's the thing that I, I, I probably miss the most. So that's what makes you a very special rabbi, a very special rabbi, Rabbi Rail, because most rabbis are like, that is the least favorite moment of the week. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, I do I, everything I can to sneak out and avoid I it. All you do is meet people who, while they're chewing, they're spitting on you, while they're complaining about <laughs> something they didn't make a meeting for. Uh, oh. That's what makes you so very... He loves kiddish oh, I love, and talking yeah, no, to people. And I feel exactly the same <laughs> way as Rabbi Rail. Have you ever been to a kiddish? <laughs> I feel exactly the same way. And and, and Goldberg, what's your favorite memory? I'm not eating the kugel anymore. Oh. That's true. Now you're there, Lashma, Mamash Lashma. Uh, this just in, Rabbi Brody has pulled out of Rabbi Moskowitz by over $200. Rabbi Moskowitz, his friends, where are you? You must catch up and bring Rabbi Moskowitz not only back. My friends Thank are you, Jacob. Jacob. By the way, even if you don't like Rabbi Moskowitz, the world loves Rebbits and Moskowitz. Rebbits and Moskowitz, his friends, patience. patience. Yeah, all, all we're the patients. patients to get free medical care when they're coming over our house at all hours of the night. Yeah, exactly. It's time. It's time, right to, it's time to cough it up. We have cleared eighty-three thousand. We're on our way to our goal of hundred thousand. Thank you all so much. My favorite moment uh, of the year is singing Haneris Halalu after lighting the Hanukkah candles in shul. <laughs> Just joking. It is my least favorite moment. No, your favorite moment is, is counting Sphira every night in shul. Also, least favorite moment. We have those lists of what are the least favorite moments. Calling out the Rosh no, I hate the after. pressure. <laughs> right, that, those are probably the three least favorite things. Trying to lead the shul in Hanir Salalu after lighting the Hanukkah licht in shul. Number two would be calling out the mullet and trying to translate it from the Yiddish because for some reason the Ezra's Torah Luach in Hebrew and English and every Luach still thinks that the mullet has to be communicated in Yiddish. And what was the third thing? Sphere and Sphere Soma, that pressure. Yeah, those are not three of my favorite moments. But I will go like, I will follow Rabbi Blumenthal's lead and give you a one that you wouldn't predict. And of course, Neila, kicking off Neila is huge. I also love, not at 5 a.m., but Slichos night. We begin, we always say Slichos will begin at 1 a.m., but Chatzos is never till like 112, 114, 116. We speak beforehand, and it's like speaking to a dead room. People have like stumbled into the room, they're falling on their face, they're passing out, and you start Slichos, that first Kaddish, the room comes alive, and there's something very special about seeing that transformation happen, but that's also not it. I would say my favorite moment is... And I will not get emotional, even though I'm going to speak about my daughter who's in Israel for the year who I miss terribly. But every year after doing Badikas Chametz at home, and I follow one of my Rebbeim, Rabbi Neuberger, and others who do a real Badikas Chametz, not some like, just got home from work, hungry for dinner, make a bracha, be done in seven seconds. But I mean room by room, pockets, dresser, drawers, do a real Badikas Chametz. Afterwards, I always go to shul. Because there's a halachic responsibility. Somebody's got to do B'digas Chametz in shul. And I feel that responsibility. Shul's dark. It's closed down. It's closed for the night. Everybody's at home. B'digas Chametz the night before Pesach. And um, I go with, with one of my daughters. And we walk the entire campus. Now, 
Mind you, we had walked it that afternoon with our amazing custodians and made sure that it was all ready, but you still have to do B'dikas Chametz that night. We still walk around. And again, that same, you could describe it as an eeriness, but not in a negative sense. There's an energy, there's a vibrant, there's a life, there's a heartbeat to the shul even when no one's in it. And when you go that Erev Pesach and you do that B'dika and you're connecting and you feel that, that love and it's very personal, private, I guess until now, you don't announce it, nobody knows about it, and that is a very, very uh, special moment, in addition to the ones that were that were mentioned until now. That is definitely one of the highlights as well. The and the new members event. That, go ahead, you could go for number four. <laughs> I'm passing I'm hogging the mic. I yield to the lady from Lawrence. <laughs> First of all, apparently this just my time. In. You guys said I look like this gangster, right? <laughs> Henry Hill. <laughs> Henry Hill, apparently, someone just texted me, he was married to a girl from Lawrence, New York. There you have it. You are the same. That's why. Yeah, what, what's second, going has on anyone right ever now? seen Rabbi Moskowitz and Henry Hill in the same room at the same time? <laughs> the, se- the same Zoom? <laughs> the same Zoom. In the same Zoom at the same time. Zoom no, but how are your AirPods so much better than mine? My, my I, don't, I feel like they're holding on for dear life. Parents, I think. How, how do you grow wires? <laughs> I, took, I took mine from my brother-in-law, but they're, I don't know, they went out already. I've, His phone no never idea. dies either. He never, nothing ever, he just... Rabbi, Rabbi Shabtai, Rabbi Tzim Shabtai, is there something in the Sephardic tradition that stands out so different than the Ashkenazim? Is there something in the calendar, in the liturgy, Slicha. in the Nusach, in the Halacha? Well, yes. Shlomi Lugasi. <laughs> Everything. We're thinking about our good friend Shlomi sitting Shiva tonight. And we love him. We're thinking about it. You talk about community, Shlomi is community. He's Sephardi, he's Moroccan, proud Moroccan, but we've all been rotating, being at uh, covering Mincha at his house. I don't think I'm exaggerating. There are hundreds of people there from every walk of life. And it's like attending the New York car show in front of his house. And uh, Shlomi is that magnetic personality who unites everybody. So that's the beauty of this community. You might go to the Sephardic Minyan, but you know everybody. It's not divided by, by Minyanim and, and so on. It's all one big one big team. But I'll tell you why I'm asking. I'll give you the example. Is I've had Sephardim tell me, they daven with the Ashkenazim all year round, but they go to the Sephardim on the Yom and the Ram on the high holidays. Because they say the Ashkenazi is like is it's like a death liturgy, <laughs> sad, and you guys are singing and happy and yeah. festive. So I happen to like Ashkenazi. I mean, I'm not opposed. I happen to like it very much, but it's so different. Um, there's an energy. Sfaridim want to come to Slichot. Like like I said, people want to wake up. And we do Slichot at 5.30 every day for a month. And people come. People want to come. They want to be there. I have people who... Strange. They'll come for Slichot, but they don't stay for Shachrit, which is a little bit strange because that's like, you know, not the right priority system. But like, they only come for Slichot. That's what they do. There's like an energy to getting ready for for Yamim Noraim. And I otherwise Elul sort of doesn't have that energy. Elul's supposed to be a preparation time, and like this really gets you pumped every morning. And mm. Slichot takes 50 minutes to an hour every day. Um and it's the same thing. Is it worth the kidneyos? You could have your kidneyos. So you have to realize half the minion doesn't eat kidneyos. Moroccans don't eat kidneyos on Pesach. Um, half our minion doesn't eat kidneyos. But um, they have plenty of good food, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I'm in really Galatari when it comes to food. If it tastes good, I eat it. How do they spell mincha? Sorry? How do they spell mincha? Mem nun het hei. By the way, our fact checker has weighed in. The fact checker has reminded me. The first night I said, I complained. You know, getting it right each night of Sphira is a lot of pressure on the rabbi. You like triple check in your mind if it's the right night. So our fact checker has reminded me that the first night as a rabbi in Shul, I counted Sphira last year, the Shul was at number 47. 
If you remember, the shul had been shut down. So the first night that we had Minyan and counted the Zvira was number 42nd, which is pretty, pretty insane. Uh, Monica Rebetzin Shabtai, anything jump out to you as the difference? Having grown up Ashkenazi, but then exposed to Sephardi, and now a Sephardi Rabbanit, anything jump out to you as being so different? So again, Yom, Yom and Ram are most different, and I personally, like, I after davening Sephardi, and especially always my stepfather was the Chazan, so I loved it, and then for a couple of years, when we wanted to daven in Yeshiva, we davened Ashkenazi, and I personally didn't never got used to it. It sounded like every again, like it's long, schleppy, like I mean, I guess Tim Rums you should be crying, but I, I never also again, I love YU, but it was like seven hours for Rosh Hashanah. Um so I was very happy to come back to Ace Fardi Yamim Noram. Nice. Interesting. I remember my dad once came to visit us Rosh Hashanah and I told him to bring a book. He's like Lama <laughs> Takes an hour, so like he brought uh, he brought um Isha Halacha in Hebrew because he's Israeli, so he reads it. And like all these guys are like looking like wow, I'm like that's very impressive. <laughs> I saw your dad today, and I asked him when he's going to teach his sons to dress like him. He's the best dressed guy in town. He told me he's skipping the sons. He's going so right my kids to the dress, Some of our kids dress like him, so like exactly, okay. he's going right to the right to the grandchildren. I'm okay with that. Best dressed rabbi. All right, what are the questions on our listeners' minds? First of all, if you're listening to this podcast on whatever podcast player, don't forget to rate and review so that more and more people can listen and hear. One of our uh, listeners, David Eisen, wants to know, can you make a bracha on that talus? And he spells bracha the way that would make Rabbi Shabtai very happy. So the answer is, if you're Og Melech Abashan, or maybe Amari Stoudemire can make a bracha on that talus, but I don't think anybody else can. Otherwise, it is a sort of symbolic talus with tzitzis on the corners, but 40 by 40, it is pretty large and in charge. Uh, other questions, things people want to know in the BRS global community, which, uh, what number, what are we up to with 644 members of the global community? Really, really outstanding. Um, other questions. Love Mordecai that Weinschneider's comment. You guys are still on? <laughs> <laughs> he turned it off. He came back. He turned it off. We're still on. Yeah, one of our Ari uh, Malowitzki wants to know, Rabbi Shabtai, you know, you mentioned that in medical school, you realized that you didn't want to continue wow. in medicine and made a lane change, pivoted. But what was it about medicine specifically that made you realize that you didn't want to? We know that one, maybe one of your siblings has some trouble with blood or, you know, they couldn't handle that. But you could. So what made you change lanes? So I really liked the discovery aspect in medicine, about learning about the new treatments, learning about, you know, the diagnosis, trying to figure things out. I, the day-to-day taking care didn't speak to me. Um, and as I was doing my third year in rotations and realized that more and more of the day-to-day and it may not be true in every specialty, but didn't speak to me and I wasn't getting as much out of it. I enjoyed much more the bioethics. I enjoyed much more thinking about the challenging issues that are involved in it. Um, and I remember speaking to uh, many doctors at the time and many Rabbanim about, does it make sense to do a residency or not if I want to do more bioethics, medical halacha? And all the Rabbanim were like, I think you should do a residency because how are you going to know? And all the doctors said, why are you doing a residency? Why would you bother doing a residency? Um, if uh, if that's not uh, if that's not uh, what you really want to do, um, and so I was more interested in that, those larger issues, and so I figured that it wasn't it wasn't for me to practice, and I didn't think it would be uh, I didn't think it would be fair to my patients to be a not so enthusiastic doctor about what I was doing. Nice, Robinson Moskowitz. What's the most adventurous thing you've ever done in your life? <laughs> <laughs> Marry me. Picked All up right. and moved right. to Boca without a. Uh... 
really knowing the community and not really <laughs> deciding in one week. Yeah, when we got married, Ariel was not leaving the tri-state area. That was very clear. And, and I was leaving the tri-state area. So Boca was like a good compromise because it was New Yorky enough, but not too New Yorky. It was kind of a nice middle you, of the what road. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm trying to say you're from New York. So, I, know, I don't know about adventurous, but one of the kind of craziest ideas that I had that I thankfully actually went through is um, going back to school in my late 30s uh, once I had kids and married and things going on and kind of shifting careers. Um, that was pretty crazy. <laughs> so. That is good. That is adventurous. That is adventurous. I haven't gotten um, sky jump, skydiving like the Goldbergs, but not as <laughs> skydiving. Now our daughter mm -hmm. that's in Israel for the year wants to know when she can go. It's become part of the family Masora <laughs> to go skydiving. It, seeing Eretz Israel from... 12,000 feet while you're falling towards it at 100 miles an hour. It's fantastic. There's no better uh, way to see it. It's not like nurse practitioner school, though. Definitely not as fun. <laughs> not nearly, not nearly <laughs> not as fun. I'm just saying it wasn't easy being the spouse when she was in school either. True. I'm just you saying you could look out the window of an airplane and see the same thing. <laughs> it's not the same. Scared of heights. It's not the same. Now, but Brody, for somebody who loves to go to concerts, you could also listen on the computer, but it's not the same thing. It's, you're right. It's not the same thing, but you know what? I just, I'm not jumping out of an airplane. I can tell you right I'm now. Right, no? not yeah, I've, seen, I've seen how yeah. slow you drive. There's no way neither, you're jumping out. Neither am I. That's, that's right up there with winning the lottery on my list. I want you to. We went to an amusement park with uh, the little guys with Aton, who's six, and he's already. You know, he's excited to go on like these. What, what you would consider a kid's roller coaster. I'm I went with him, and I was panicking. <laughs> I was like, "This is not for me. I'm too old." Although Josh did do a zip line, that was like exciting for him. <laughs> no, good. Yeah, it's after they, they buckle you in, harness you like 15 different locks. <laughs> it took 20 minutes. Anybody you else have something adventurous they've done that people would not predict or guess about them? I'm just saying I got a $1 donation right now. I'm $1 closer to catching up to Rabbi Brody. There's a, there's a person who likes me enough out there to – Give one dollar my name, but here's the deal: if 200 people right now all give one dollar, I'm caught up to Rabbi Brody. Rabbi Moskowitz they got confused. They got confused. They thought they thought there was DailyGiving.org. <laughs> I'll take every dollar I can get to catch up to Rabbi Brody. So another question that came in, actually privately, somebody just texted me, and they want to know: at any point in your rabbinic career, rabbis, rebbitzins, as a unit, as a couple, because it is, it's a group decision, it's a couple, you have to function as a unit. At any way, through smicha and on the way up, did you think about walking away? Did you consider another profession, career change? Have you considered walking away? And why didn't you? Why did you stick with it? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a point once. I remember I spoke about it at shul. It happened, I think, I don't know if it was 2000. Seven, two thousand nine. I don't know. One of the marches. I came back. I was really disappointed in something oh, that happened. That <laughs> yeah, that was a shallow shit. I think that's unplugged. when we started the outreach program. As 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 a, you know, it's either you, you try help the problem or you, or you leave. And I decided decided to stay. But it, <laughs> for about two two days, it was a real it was, it was a real consideration. I remember Simone said to me, "She's like, what will I tell our friends?" <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what would you have done 
Okay, she's dealing with the kids right now. Apparently, they're just. I was going to say, do all of you know where your kids are right now? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Brody, what would you have done if you walked away? What would I have done? Um, I don't know. What would I have done? Remember that time we were in, we were living in the Muse. I came back from the. What march. was your question? What would he have done instead I, of being a rabbi? Yeah, left. yeah, no. If at any time considered walking away, just were frustrated. Wasn't for us at any time. Did Hold you on, a dollar fifty just came in for me now. <laughs> no, no, no. So you know, to, at the end I'm of the day, two dollars and fifty cents closer. <laughs> they just keep them going. <laughs> I'm telling you, one ninety-eight left, and I'm at Rabbi Brody. <laughs> I have, I definitely have two hundred friends out there. They're each going to give a dollar over the, and then Rabbi Gober, can we agree you'll wrap it up if two hundred people each give a dollar? Done. Yes, <laughs> but not until then. So, what would you have done, Rabbi Brody? Where would you have gone? Yeah, I don't know. You know what? I, I, I think I actually just thinking about it right now. I think I probably would still be doing exactly the same thing, even if I wasn't a rabbi. So, even if I never got smicha, I kind of would have found this type of work. And even if I gave up the smicha, I still would be doing the same type of work. Some, the job that we have is not, um, not traditional. It's not traditional. <laughs> it's not something we we applied for. It kind of just evolved. Um, you work at Federation. You you run a philanthropic foundation. You're yeah. the outreach rabbi of the Bookerton Synagogue and its global community. So you know, and, and then you do so the, the momentum trips. Yeah, and we, you know, we have a whole plan of, of where we hope to take this. And, you know, as we, as we emerge from Corona, we have some, some exciting plans and, um, you know, what the next couple of years is going to look like. So you will hear let it me, first on Behind the Bema. Not <laughs> yet. Let me, let me rephrase the question to the others. If you didn't go into the Rabbanus, what would you have likely been? What would you likely be doing? Rabbi Blumenthal, Aliza, Rebitson, what would you be doing? Aliza likes to say that if I didn't become a rabbi, I would have been a cult leader. Oh, I do um, say it all the time. <laughs> I, I believe it. But <laughs> I just see you like on a keg stand somewhere and everyone's like, go, go, go. And then they would follow you everywhere or something. <laughs> so that didn't happen. No. Um, at, yeah. least, at least, uh, yeah, well, I guess, I guess this time. Maybe that's what we're doing. Um, maybe. Um, but the truth is, I, uh, I I was always a weird kid. I, I wanted to be a rabbi. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's like you know a strange thing, but it was something that that uh, that I wanted to do. Um, I mean, I majored in computer science because I enjoyed doing that as well. But I never wanted to do that as a profession. Um, but uh, th this is this is what I wanted to do, and when we got married, it was kind of like, okay, I guess this is what we both want to do, so that works out. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to say it's hard to say that uh, you know what would I have done, what could I have done? I, I don't know. It, it just this this was the thing that made sense. Well, uh, we're happy you're in Boca Raton, not Waco, Texas. That works out much better for us. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're happy about that too. I'm not drinking any Kool Aid or anything. Yeah, we're grateful for that. We know what Rabbi Shabtai would have done because he almost did it. Rabbi Moskowitz, what would you have done if you didn't become a, a Rov? Well, growing up, I always wanted to, to be in finance. My, uh, my Again, when I was much younger, my dream was always to go to Wharton. My parents went to Penn. Everything in my house growing up was always Penn. So I wanted to go to Wharton growing up. Um, at, at a certain point that switched to wanting to help people. So I think if I wasn't a rabbi, I agree with Rabbi Brody. Like I would have been doing either psychology, social work. Um, there was a long period of time I really wanted to be a middle school rabbi. 
I always um, loved teaching middle school kids. I liked it. High school, I felt like they had a little bit more edge attitude. Younger, I felt it was a little harder to connect to. Like that sixth, seventh, and eighth grade zone, I always did in camp, and I really liked that group. So um, that was probably the trajectory I was on before getting pulled over to the rabbinate. Um, and the truth is, uh, I still love I still love that age group. I have never seen that age, and uh, now I'm seeing some of the challenges of that age group. But uh, <laughs> but it's still a great uh, still a great age. So like Rabbi Brody said, like I'd still be doing a lot of what I would be doing, whether it be psychology, whether it be social work, um, helping people in some way. And I just do it as a rabbi now, where I get to also help them spiritually. Well, we've got one of the, one of the world's outstanding middle school rebbeim, Rabbi Pesach Sommer, is commenting. Teaching middle school is awesome, and if you follow him on social media, you know his passion for it. He's regularly sharing it, and it's really uh, it's amazing. I probably would have been an entrepreneur. I love business. I I don't come from a family of rabbis. I wasn't on track to be a rabbi, and I probably would have been in business in some capacity. Some and and part of why I love the rabbanus is because I think it provides the opportunity for entrepreneurship within Jewish communal leadership. So it gives the opportunity for us to bring this creativity, this ambition, these goals, marketing, branding, negotiations, conflict resolution, all the aspects that go into entrepreneurship and business we get to do. And uh, we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun doing it. So um, I am I am $9 behind Ray Brody right now. I'm not Henry Hill made a donation in my honor. Right. I don't even know what the good fellas are. Henry Hill made a donation to my honor. John Gotti made a donation I, I am to my not, honor. First of all, if Pop Sugarman's listening, I would love a $9 donation from Pop Sugarman to tie me up. Second, Schoenfeld's. Schoenfeld's Schoenfeld. donated $198 for you. That's right. Can't That's have right. a vegetarian beating you. Oh, we that missed him. That is a lot One of second, love. Rabbi Goldberg, did, did, your, students here. did your parents ever, ever try to persuade you not to go into Rabbanus because... They were very successful in the, you know, in the, the worlds that they were in. And obviously your brother is a very, very successful doctor. And Good question. You know, that is a great question. And remarkably, no, they never hesitated. They never, they never paused. Plan. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they knew. There was that never there a was. conversation like, hey, maybe you should, you know, consider something else. <laughs> Um, there wasn't, there wasn't, I'll tell you the truth. I don't come from Rabbanim, my great uncles, but I don't come from Rabbanim directly, but my family was very committed to education and my nice. mother was in adult education, Holocaust education. Sam and uh, my grandfather was a uh, superintendent of school system in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Right? My mother was Simone's teacher, <laughs> taught her everything she knew about the Holocaust, <laughs> wanted to know about the Holocaust. So they valued the notion of being, and I thought, remember when I got married, I thought I was going to be in Chinuch when I came to Boca. Right. When yeah, I was in the Boca Raton Kolel, the last version of the Kolel, yeah, I thought I was going to be in Chinuch. And thank God Yecheva talked me out of it. I wouldn't have lasted one week in Chinuch. I have such respect, Rabbi Shabtai, Rabbi Blumenthal. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Armachanchem deserves such respect and credit and raises because the perseverance, the endurance that it takes, the patience, the commitment, the passion sustained. You know, we give one class, as adults, you give a class at a time to a group of interested people who require no discipline, who are self-motivated to be there, and to compare that to giving, I mean, how many classes do you average teaching a day? It's just, a, just amazing. Amazing. I don't know, it's amazing I'm that I am now more. ahead of Rabbi Brody. Are you kidding me? One second, I, I am at leave Rabbi Fagelstock, because I'm a Bruins fan, just put me ahead of Rabbi Brody. One second, Levy Fagelstock just gave me a donation also. 83,343. <laughs> We're on our way to 100,000. And then everyone can go to sleep, but not before then. <laughs> I don't care the end goal, as long as I end up the night ahead of the Brodies. 
Not a problem. Dailygiving.org. Check it out. Sign up if you haven't yet. Register dailygiving.org. A dollar a day. You can continue to have fun in Rabbi Moskowitz's <laughs> have fun at his expense. A dollar a day. Uh, looks like the br- shop ties shop are ties out. out. And the shop ties are out. <laughs> it's like a great game. Who will be the first couple to drop? Last man standing. If you don't let go. Oh, the laptop battery just died. That's what uh, happened. We lost my laptop. AirPods, let's, just see, laptop. let's see whether they plug in or not. It'll be interesting to see whether they plug in and rejoin. <laughs> that is amazing. That's a great excuse. Yeah, well, what else do, do people want to know? If you listen, there's parts of the country that are they've lost later power. on the podcast. Rate. We might have to lose power soon too. <laughs> <laughs> or Wi-Fi. If you're Who's listening on the podcast, player, don't forget morning. to rate and review. Yeah, I know. The night is still young, ladies and gentlemen. I, this might bother your mind, but there are close to 200 people still after two and a half hours. They fell asleep listening. I know we're you're, you're <laughs> yeah, not they're... quite sure they're here still. So. Right. By exactly. the way, I have this. I have this with my students when we have Zoom days that sheer ends and the camera is still on. Really, really, you're still listening. <laughs> Well, I, I got another $1 donation. Week. Hold on. I got another dollar donation from a fan, Idan Carmel, middle oh. schooler. Idan Carmel, way past his bedtime, just gave me $1 donation. And the Schnitzel guys, Schnitzel guys from Woodmere, New York, also made a very generous $2.43 donation <laughs> in my honor. And for I love schnitzel.com, the Schnitzel guys. And keep it coming. All I need the Schnitzel is like guys, the Schnitzel guys will not be getting an autograph book. Well, if the Schnitzel guys make another, you know, $170 and $1 donations, they'll be getting a book. Correct. They would have to. What would your message be if you had the opportunity, Rebitsons, if you were standing before a room of young women married to men who are in smicha, and they're about to embark on a career as Rebitsons, Jewish communal life, Jewish public life, with all that that brings, what would you tell that room of young women on their way to becoming Rebbitzins. What would your message be? What would you tell them to look out for? What would you tell them is most important? What would you tell them? I'm just buying you time right now. But what would your message to them be? When you move to the Start community, buy over. the house. <laughs> Don't wait. You did. <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> no. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> no. I guess I would say uh, really just be true to yourself and really check in with yourself because you're only as good as you really are feeling about things. So you don't want to become one of those people who are resentful of your husband's position. You want to make sure that you're being honest, you're being straightforward. And when something is too much, don't push through anyway and say yes, no problem, because then it will become a problem. So you really have to, this is good work. It's rewarding work. It's wonderful. And there's a lot of room for women to stand up and make us make a stand on things and and share things and and we need more strong women in the community. I mean, I have a lot of role models, thank God, of Rebbitton's past who are amazing. I have role models right here um, who helped me feel this way, but um, really just check in with you and make sure that you're checking with your husband and you're not just uh, being a martyr when being a martyr can actually make things worse for your home life, which makes it hard for people to do their job. So really just- That is such great advice. I love that answer. Self-aware, yeah. self-care, you have to know where you're at because, you know, Stephen Covey talks, it's sharpening the saw. You're only going to be as good as how you're feeling and, and where you're at. Blumenthal's, tell the world about your Starbucks. Again, I don't know if you're still doing it during Corona, but the Starbucks <laughs> Actually, we got Corona strategy. Instead, so we hang out all the time. Right, you so don't need that. Starbucks dates. Tell, tell, tell the world about your Starbucks strategy. Oh, yeah. So 
once upon a time when we used to leave the house. That's correct. Once um, upon a time. <laughs> and and our children left the house. Um, um, we we realized that uh, it would get to like you know a Wednesday Thursday, um, which you know I feel like every year that we've been in the rabbinate, Shabbos starts a day earlier. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, like Shabbos mm -hmm. used to start on like you know Friday afternoon. Now now like. If I don't get done what I want to get done in the week by Tuesday, Shabbos starts by like Tuesday mid-afternoon. Like yeah. planning and preparing and schedules and what's happening. And like, like Shabbos starts really early in the week. And and especially, you know, in, in the last couple of years when we've been having tons of families over and people staying at our house yeah. and meals and, you know, figuring out who's coming and who's not coming and who's, you know, bringing what and doing what, like just running running a home and a community that's thank god being at you know an, an incredible growth pace we found that we didn't have time like any time that we would sit down and have a date we mm. couldn't talk about ourselves we couldn't talk about fa our family we couldn't talk about you know doing doing things for for our family um because we were always focused on like oh shabbos is starting and yantif is starting and what are we doing for the children community so we uh, we started doing these Starbucks dates um, in between, right? Yeah, early in the week was we like tried. Mondays or Tuesdays, depending depending on what months and where we were holding. We legitimately put it in our calendars, like in my work schedule. I had a space to go and meet Rail at the Starbucks, and it was a business meeting. It was like a work meeting, you know, not necessarily like to hang out. It wasn't a date. It was very strategic. I would make an agenda of what we needed to accomplish to make sure I got all my answers. Because I love how people text me from the shul to get his attention. It's like, hey, can you just ask your husband? I'm like, you text me, you can text him also. And they think I see him more. I'm like, you're probably going to see him before I'm going to see him. So I'm going to use my time for me <laughs> to get my answers. So we do these little meetings on, on Mondays at Starbucks to just have an agenda, make sure we're on the same page with some shul things, make sure that we're giving off the same message and we're not conflicting with each other. Um, and yeah, so we and, found that that was very helpful. We, we should do that. We were, marked, we were like very marked in making sure one, that it was out of the house. Yeah. Because if it's in the house, forget it. laundry or something. Yeah, um, <laughs> like it's, it's impossible to do this if you're at home. Um, and the second thing was that it went on the calendar. Like it was scheduled like a meeting, it was like blocked off on the schedule. Like somebody said to me, can I meet with you, speak with you, call you at that period? They were like, no, I have a meeting. Um, right. And, and that's- Great advice. It's the, the kind Starbucks of thing strategy. that like, we're all terrible about. Um, and I say like all us and like the rabbinate and couples, like all of those yeah, all, um, we're, we're all ter terrible about honoring the time that we make for ourselves. Like we, we schedule things for ourselves and then like, we, we brush ourselves off a lot, like as individuals and as couples, we tend to not honor the commitments that we make to ourselves. Um, and we made this commitment to ourselves and to each other that like those meetings, and like if one of us was running a few minutes late, we would text as if it was like, you're running late to a meeting, like, hey, I'm so mm. sorry, I'm running a couple minutes late. Right. Um, with the understanding that this was a meeting with each other and it allowed us to make sure that every other moment that we spent together, um, with our family, with the community, with each other, like on a date night, was was not, you know, the first half hour was dealing with, you know, housekeeping items of what's coming up this week and what bills need to be paid and who's taking which kid to where. 
So like those conversations we didn't need to have while we we're having a date night. It's, it's a great life hack. You get to take care uh, of that. Rabbi Brody, we know, we know where solid. someone went just now. She clearly called her parents to make the donation that was made <laughs> to put you back ahead of Rabbi Moskowitz. There you go. I love it. There's no Back way my in-laws are Thank you, mom now. and dad. Zero chance. <laughs> hey, my real mom is probably awake. <laughs> Rebitson uh, Moskowitz, uh, talking to a room of young potential budding Rebitsons. What's your message to them? Um, I think just be sincere. Um, people respect, you know, sincerity. Um, that's how you connect people. You know, people don't like to be you know, lectured, um, just building sincere relationships with people, I think is the best way to be a role model and to encourage people on the path of growth. That's a great answer. Rebitson Goldberg. You still awake? <laughs> Advice. Give, get a good night's here. sleep. I'm tired. I don't know. You're a Bobby. You're a Bobby. <laughs> for God's sakes. <laughs> We're going to end the suit. I'm fading. She's very a Bobby. Fading. Um, I think that I would say, since a few other great answers were already given, so I'll try to find my own. Um, I think I would say that you have to find your own path in being a Rebitson. You know, when we first moved here, I got a phone call from like every school in the community. You know, do you teach? You're going to be a teacher for us. You're, you know, you'll teach. And I just graduated graduate school for social work. I wasn't a teacher. I was not a Lumide Kodesh teacher. I wasn't comfortable teaching the fifth grade in the Chabad school and the seventh grade in the local community school. And, you know, that was kind of what they, they thought of Rebbitz. They Chabad school? Um, yeah, they did. I remember getting a phone call. I mean, wow. they, they knew was coming and they figured. And there is the Chabad there's reference. A call, we were, he was a call rabbi. They figured the call. It was a very, it was a smaller community then. And there weren't as many, you know, capable um, teachers and people moving in for that, so they were trying to find. So they figured a, a non kola rabbi is moving in, his wife is a teacher. And I made it very clear early on that I'm not a teacher and that's not my field. It's, you know, and, and, and you know, thank God through the years I got a little more comfortable at speaking publicly, but for the first few years I, I, I could, I don't, I didn't speak publicly, I didn't teach. So I, but I knew what I did like, and that's getting to know people on a one to one basis or being there for people when they needed something or hosting or, you know, you kind of like build up your own, you know, like my husband said, a Rebitson is not a paid position. It's not an official, you know, this is what we need you to do from A to Z. Here's your job. It's kind of like, you know, it's a two for one deal. You're hiring the rabbi, the wife. Often, you know, there are times that some Rebitsons don't really want to be involved and their husband's a rabbi, but they are something else outside of the home. And that's not their priority to be a Rebitson. But um, there are some Rebitsons that do enjoy it, but, the, but it isn't a job for them. So they have to balance it with all their other responsibilities and they have to know what, in that role is interesting to them and what they want to tap into and what they want to be busy with. So you have to really think about who you are and what yeah. you're capable of and what you enjoy and what you could contribute. And don't feel like you have to do every single thing, but find what's meaningful to that's you and what you have answer. time for. And I think that's important for young Robinson. So that is a great answer. It will evolve over time, but you know, it's right. And it can evolve. People who know what a great speaker you are now would never believe that. Early on, Six, you were very intimidated know. and didn't want to and were scared to. Yechavit is being featured in an upcoming uh, podcast. Let's uh -huh. give a shout out to our friends in their new podcast. What's it called? <laughs> I knew you didn't know. From Women? It's called from Normal, normal, normal from, from Women. women. I know what it's called. Who's Alex hosting and, it? Alex and, uh, Rick, normal Rick, from Rick, Women. Alex normal and Ricky, from Normal women. from Women. They're coming after us. They've named and they're targeting behind the Bima. They could come for us. We like that. A little Kinnasov from Tarba Chachma. And uh, they're doing a great job. It's an important contribution because the world needs nor more normal from. Anything that combines the words normal and from is a great contribution. And Yechevet is a guest, upcoming guest on their, on their podcast. To give you a sense of the endurance of these Rebitsons and how long we have been going, 
there's somebody who, when they got on the plane before takeoff, turned on behind the Bima, coming from New York to Florida. No. And they have they now landed, landed in no. Florida, and they're off the plane, and behind the Bima is still going. So behind <laughs> the, the Bima has taken them from New York to Florida all the way. Who needs JetBlue, DirecTV, JetJew, DirecTV? We should. Yeah, when he wakes Jet up Blue, tomorrow, we're still going to be going on his way to work. <laughs> you think JetBlue would put us on one of their channels, like one of the options? Should. Behind the Bima? Just stream they have that the on Makelal. They have like Shurim. They have different, you know, Torah channels. We should have behind the beam as one of the options. They do. They do. We have such good friends. We don't take it for granted at all. We're closing in on 84,000. And we're getting closer to our goal by the end of this week of the 100,000, only because of our dear friends. We thank you for being well, part apparently of Apparently, I don't community. have as many friends because do, I'm, I'm now $100 behind Rabbi Uri. Oh, so, uh, Rabbi Moskowitz, let me ask you this. I have the, you have the chance to talk to the younger version of yourself. What's your message? You could talk to the younger version of you just getting started. Knowing what you know now, what would you say? Go Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, it's interesting. Um, so much of the focus Smicha is about, or at least when I was in Smicha, was about speaking and was about Torah knowledge. And obviously those are critical to being a rabbi. You can't be a rabbi if you can't speak, and you can't be a rabbi if you can't tell someone when their fork falls into the sink with the flesher dishes, what are they supposed to do about it? So obviously you have to be able to answer those two uh, things. But I've learned over the last uh, number of years in the rabbinate that actually when it comes to making meaningful relationships with people, when it comes to impacting people's lives, um, that's not what people are really looking for. You know, what they're, again, what I, in my experience here in Boca, what people are looking for is genuine relationships. They're looking for a rabbi they can connect with. They're looking for a rabbi who's willing to open up to them, who's willing to be a little bit vulnerable to them. Mm. They're looking for a rabbi who's going to listen really well, who's going to be there for them in time of need, who they can confide in, and is going to maintain that confidentiality. And so, you know, I always found it like ironic when you go on like a Prabha Shabbos, when I came down here, so what do you have me do? You had me give speeches and you had me give shirim. But the truth is, neither of those I would like to believe are any indicators of, of my success here in Boca. It's not the shirim, it's not the speeches that I've given, it's really the relationships that you build. And so if I had to talk to my younger self, if I had to talk to smicha students, um, I would really encourage them to put more of an effort into that, um, into developing that part of themselves that is able to, you know, is really able to do active listening, is able to balance being a friend with someone, also being their mentor and being a spiritual guide. All of the things we've spoken about tonight, um, those are the things that I've learned along the way are actually much more important to the rabbinate than I was led to believe in smicha. Important. That's an important conversation to the younger you and to the young rabbis today. Rabbi Brody, what would you tell a younger version of Josh Broday? <laughs> I can't do that in front of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> what would, you what still wear the Doc Martens? So she's going to get angry at me all the time. <laughs> it's a, it's a safe space. <laughs> This is a, Simone, it's a safe space, right? It's a safe space. It's the, sort of a safe space yeah. with the whole world. If anybody's been listening for long enough, they deserve to be able to hear it. <laughs> right. Whatever it is. If they're still with us, they You're deserve whatever. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's on if you're the listening podcast, to the podcast. Like, if, if you're scrolling to hour two, uh, minute 41, you get to hear whatever you want to hear. <laughs> if, if you're on the uh, podcast, don't forget to rate and review. And if you are uh, listening on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. And if you're listening anywhere, don't forget to go beatusonline.org slash 
Global. Rabbi Brody, I'm buying you some time yeah, to negotiate it. with Simone and tell us what you would tell a younger version of you. Hmm. I don't think I've ever a seen younger self. Um. You know, I'll tell you what it is. I know exactly what it is. There's been many things I've done in the last, I would say I, most of my life, you know, last, let's say 30 years, 35 years where I had an idea and, and for some reason, I don't know what it was. I gave up too soon on a, on a particular um, goal or a particular project. And only to see that if I would have just stuck with it a little bit longer, it probably would have worked. And I think sometimes, you know, just go with your gut. Like, don't, don't, don't. If you think it could work, just, just go for it. Just do it. Don't, don't, don't pull back. Go all in if you really believe you can do something. And why, and why did you think that would get you in trouble with Simone? Yeah. No, I didn't know what I was going to say. Just <laughs> only when you... That was, that was my way of trying to stall also because I didn't know what I was going to say. You didn't know what you were going to say, but you knew that there was a big likelihood it would get you in trouble with Simone. No, that's all. That's all. The truth yeah, is, it's funny that he said that because I actually think that Josh well, I don't know. What does go I with say? his gut and does go No, I'm things. telling you, there's something. I can't. I don't want to get into the, the details now. But I'm just telling you there are things where. Because that's going to get him in trouble. I know <laughs> that if I would have been stuck with certain things, things would have been very different, you know, and I'm. Okay. Like you always wonder why things turn out in a certain way. Always. I, you know, you always, if I would have done this, if I would have done it's that. It's the way it's meant to be. It's, from it's the way it's meant to be. But I'm telling you, I also know that I was on the right track to something. <laughs> you still are. You still are. I am. But I know I am. But I just got to, I got to, you just keep working hard. That's it. Robert Blumenthal, if there's something for you to tell your younger self, you can just look in the mirror and say it now because you are still the young self. But what would you tell your even younger self? So uh, but I'm going to buy her up at Blumenthal sometime. I'm going to let Ariel bid our viewers farewell. <laughs> she does have to get up and see patients in the morning, and we don't want see. that to be a dangerous experience. Good night. Thank you for having me. It was an honor. It's nice to see our good friends. And um, good night, everyone. Thank you. I know it's great looking right now. Why does she get to go? <laughs> You're all jealous. You've been a great sport. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Nobody, nobody's hostage. My kids have started a hashtag let your heaven go campaign <laughs> to me, but it's not, it's not happening. That so. was me shouting no, let your heaven go. Okay. <laughs> um, to tell my younger self, um, so there's, there's a, there's a concern, there's a concern when, when, at least for myself, like finishing smicha and, and starting, you know, working in the Rabbanas is I don't know enough. Um, and that's, a, that's the thing that like, we've spoken about a bunch, like, you know, between us and with other Rabbanim is this constant feeling of like imposter syndrome of like, you know, we all, we all know that whenever a question comes up that, uh, you know, that's well beyond our level of knowledge pay grade. We all have the post game that we have on speed dial to be able to call. Um, and there's this feeling of like somebody's going to ask me something and I'm just not going to know what to say or how to handle it or how to manage it. And what, I, what I've realized, and this is true for, from Rabbi Moskowitz's point of, uh, of, of the interpersonal relational, uh, relationship stuff, um, but as well just in terms of like the Talmud Torah stuff, is I 
I really think I've learned more being a Rav than I ever learned in a base madrash. Um, and and that's something and that's something that uh, you know I think is one of the greatest privileges of the Rabbanis. Um Firstly, I get to explore things that I would never have been able to explore in the base madrash. Um, things that that are really like shaykh to Torah Chaim, to things that relate to people's lives in like really deep ways that are not just pots and pans and knives and forks and milks and flechics. Not that those things aren't important, but those those are not the things that like really keep people up at night. Um, and to be able to have well-formulated perspectives on what the Torah thinks about much larger life issues takes a long time to develop. And those are not things that are often well-developed while learning Yerodeah in a base manish. Um, those are things that come from having a lot of conversations and learning a lot of things that uh, are in the world of, of day-to-day living. Um, but the other thing, and I, I speak to, to young Rabbanim about this a bunch, younger Rabbanim than myself, um, is the greatest privilege, I really think, of being a Rav, is being able to make those difficult phone calls to my own Rabbanim and Poskim and ask them how they think through those issues. And that's something like, you get you get an inside look into how G'dali Yisrael think that you don't get in a base madrash. Meaning when you sit, and, and I've had this course of, 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 you know, having really difficult conversations in Halacha with, you know, Moreno Rabbeinu, Rav Shechta, and, and Rav Willig, and with Mary Rabbi Rav Blachman, I've, I've had these hard conversations, like talking about really complex things that are not like just open and shut Shulchan Aruch things, and to hear how G'dolei Torah work through issues of Torah and Psak and Hashkafa and Emuna and interpersonal relationship sensitivities, those are things that, you know, I, I feel privileged to be in the front row of those shiurim, chavrusas, and conversations that never happen, like out in the open, that never happen in public. You get to speak to, to Rabbanim and Gedolim, um, and I feel like I've learned and grown in, in a very selfish and personal way, like a super selfish and personal way. Like, I get to have conversations with Hoskim that nobody in a base matter usually gets to get. Um, and that's something that I that I, uh, I would I would certainly tell young Rabbanim and certainly tell young myself. Like, there's there's a lot to learn outside of the base matter, um, and a lot, a, great I would say a lot more to learn outside the base matter than in. That is a great message. That is a great. Okay, breaking news! I pulled ahead of Rabbi Brody from a Yankees fan, nonetheless. I don't know who it is. Big Yankees fan from New York. Very generous donation, $250. Love behind the Bima. I will say it. Go Yankees. If you want to make a $250 donation, I will pledge my allegiance to the Yankees. But I'm ahead of Yeah, we do have this recorded. For sure we have it recorded. We are we are $1,106 away from 85000 And I would, love to, I would love to end the episode tonight at 85000 85% of our goal. So if you're out there and you haven't given yet, you could dig a little deeper. You want to be part of our global community or you just want to let Yocheved get to sleep. $1,106. Yocheved's going to take out her phone and make this donation. 1,000 people, $1 donations. 1,000 people, $1. You could do it it however you want. One person, the whole thing. 1,000 people, a dollar each. You know, whichever way. The Rambam says better. Better to give you know a dollar to a hundred people than a hundred dollars to one. The act of giving is transformation. Schnitzel guys are doing that tonight. So the Schnitzel guys are being Mikhaim that Rambam one by one, but we are eleven hundred dollars away, and then uh, we'll put everybody out of their misery, and we can go to sleep. I would tell my younger self, 
Enjoy your hair while you got it. Take good care of it. A little mousse. Little, put a little soul glow in there. <laughs> Take good care of it. I'll tell you what I would tell my younger self. Thank you guys for asking. I would tell my younger self, Joey Bodner's on. I love wow. Joey. Joey, for a wonderful Tony evening, watching the entire time, tells the younger self to move to Boca. <laughs> Joey Bodner, and would you bring down a pizza store and catering? That is the question. Joey, we love you. I hope you're healthy and well and take care. Thank you for your support. I would tell my younger self that you're going to encounter um, pushback and criticism. Always try to accept the part of it. Try to take the message, even if you don't like the messaging or messenger. But the most important thing I'd say to my younger self is just because you got one email or a piece of feedback, it doesn't mean that's what everyone's saying or what everyone believes. You know, the, the people who are happy often, although the beauty of this campaign that we've been doing all around 656 people have made a statement about valuing brs and the content that we provide and that it means the world to us it is it is it is the air we breathe it really is so supportive it means everything to us but in general in general you don't hear from the happy people you hear from the people that aren't and it's very easy to exaggerate or to um to project out and assume that that's what everybody's saying and i would tell my younger self take it with a grain of salt do your best live with yourself and when you've done your best, I'm actually going to write an article about this in the next couple of weeks, but when you've done your best and you've given it your all and you can live with yourself and you're a Vizim Nikiyim, Hashem of Israel, you're, you're proud of the way you present yourself to Hashem and everybody else, then what other people are saying is none of your... In the recovery program, 12-step, they say, what other people think about me is none of my business. So I'm trying to live that. And if I, if I could have known that and worked on that from a younger age, what other people think about me is none of my business. I like that line. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, even our camera's tired because it just got blurry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's say let's say by no, no, twelve o'clock. No, 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 no. no, 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 nine no, more no, minutes. No. Yes. Three yes. hours. We gotta hit the three hours. Oh my god, mark. it's gonna be nine minutes to twelve. We're in Shavuos territory Carpool. over here. I have to wake up at five. I'm going, straight, I'm going straight up until my Tillam class tomorrow morning. We're just going straight. Oh for sure. Okay, which minute are you sure. going to tomorrow? <laughs> we are eleven hundred and six dollars oh, no. away. Oh no! We're having issues. Yeah, I'm telling you, our, our technology yeah, is right. rebelling oh, against. No, what right. app is that? That it makes if it look not, like. If you've oh, not no. dug deep. That's the millennial Rabbi Blumenthal. Yeah, he's got a hack his camera, and the camera's hacking back right now. What did you just download, Rabbi Blumenthal? Yeah, my 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 signal it's it's glitching. Give us the life hack. What did you just download? The Russians are like, let Eliza go to sleep. Help us. We yeah, are hostage. Oh, oh, he's right, lightning speed. Thick. Lightning <laughs> round. Lightning round. Simone, favorite food? Yeah, I hear food. Ice cream. Food, it's like ice cream? Food. Josh, favorite food? My go-to. Tofu? What's your favorite food? <laughs> you know, I love this 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 uh, impossible burger at Ditmas. He's very into that. I love it. They put Beyond jalapenos burger. on top, the Beyond Burger. I don't know why the other restaurants can't get it. The Milkic restaurant can get it. The Flashic restaurant can get it. Everyone can serve it. I'll eat it. Yeah. Gavriel Pinchas, Rabbi Moscow's favorite food. Red peppers. Stop it. <laughs> you think peppers. I'm kidding? You think I'm Ask my mom. When everyone else was getting packages of candy in camp, my bubby was sending me red peppers. I love red peppers. Stop it. Okay. But you're one of those families where they didn't send you candy? You weren't allowed to get no, candy? they sent me candy also. I love red peppers. I could eat a red pepper for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I love red peppers. Rabbi Blumenthal, favorite food? Uh, the, the, this, is, this, is a, this is a hard question. Um, uh, Fleischix. Fleischix. 
It's category three. We'll <laughs> yeah, go that, with That's Rabbi Goldberg's favorite as well. Please, that's favorite food. First of all, that says it all. I said a red pepper, and Rabbi Blumenthal said fleishichs. <laughs> that's it, fleishichs. That's the that's the category. That's it's a category of favorite food. That's uh, um, yeah, it, you know, I'm 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 a simple I'm a simple Jew. I like I like fleishichs. Just Nothing simple about you. Rabbits and Aliza, favorite food. I'm for a vegan diet. I know we've gotten into like hot sauces lately. That's true. There you go. Yeah, that's been fun. Nando's hot sauce? Nando's from South Africa. South African hot sauce. Yeah, my name's on. South and African. Have this, put, it like, short, put it on the Starbucks one. date. Don't forget to get the hot sauce. Hot sauce for the Starbucks date? Yeah. That's uh, favorite, now, favorite now, food. Really good babka with a coffee with coffee mate. My Italian sweet cream coffee mate. That's like and Mishpacha magazine. Yes, that's my Shabbos morning. <laughs> that's a really good babka with a really good coffee. Shabbos. What, what's your favorite cover? That's my. Uh, oh, <laughs> that's my. That's my go-to happy place. It would be nice to be like on a deserted beach, also, but that's usually not part of it. I go for good steak. I like steak with some fried onions. But I would say also the Friday night after the meal, Rabbi Moskow is going to fall off his chair when I say this, but coming back from a Shomzach or a Tish or a speaker Friday night and hitting the challenge, just for a little bowl, a little spritz of barbecue oh, sauce gosh. in the bowl, steal a little Not bit of Tishka. Not that it needs the barbecue sauce. It's it very good without sauce. it. Well, but the Friday night challenge is the best challenge. Better than Shabbos Day. Friday night challenge yeah. is... It's I'd, have heartburn. I'd have heartburn for a Danish. month and a half. Coffee and Danishes. Yeah. Coffee and Danish at the end of a fast, no? Oh, for sure. All I need is a coffee. I can fast another 24 hours. Okay. Favorite. Uh, first, we'll start with Safer. Favorite Safer to learn for inspiration. I think we spoke about this last week also, but we have an expanded group here. Rabbi Blumenthal, favorite Safer. That's a, it's like asking who's your favorite child. Favorite Safer today. It's what's your favorite Safer today? Uh, what's my favorite Safer? Look around your desk. I, I don't know. It's it's hard. Uh, pick, picking picking a favorite Picking a favorite safer is is like impossible, um, but it uh, it depends. It really depends. It really depends on on uh, where we're at, where we're holding. Um, I will I will say I I recently been loving well, that. Oh, yeah. um, there we go. Now the um, There we go. We'll, we'll pick that up. This uh, the the new the new uh, Osvahader uh, Shla has been has been like. An absolute, an absolute life-changing uh, safer. They did, they did a magnificent job. Yeah, <laughs> everything is falling. Um, they did a magnificent job. All and your hacks are coming crumbling down. Right <laughs> Hold on. They expire um, after a certain amount of time. Uh, we, we'll, we'll turn the glitching right. back on. Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, I, I, I recently, like in the last uh, two years or so, started learning, started learning the schla. It's a very hard safer in general. Um, but it's it's been like really interesting in terms of like expanding expanding perspectives um, in in terms of uh, in terms of emuna bitachan hashkafa. That's been really cool. Um, it's uh, yeah. That's your favorite safer. Okay, Rabbi Moskowitz. Random enough. Has it changed from last week? Ali Shore from Revolvi. Ali Shore, Rabbi Brody. Anything Rabbi Friend or Rabbi Akiva Tats? Okay, now English. I don't want to exclude I do the English. Women. Rabbi we, Goldberg. You know, women can learn Sfarim. I'm not excluding the women. Why would you? You said it's extended, so everyone could be. Simone, favorite safer. <laughs> I'm definitely not a safer girl, I would say. I would say I read books more. Anything inspirational, anything that's, you know, inspiring, that's real, that's true. That's, I like, I actually like halacha also. But I'm not a, I wouldn't say I'm a safer girl. 
Okay. Anything on RabbiEphraimGoldberg.org. <laughs> I, I love Rabbi Moskowitz, Rabbi Blumenthal, too. They don't have websites yet. <laughs> well, if you love me, you make a dollar donation to my <laughs> name right now. <laughs> yeah, Rabbi Moskowitz, that's, that's a Shalom Bias issue, right? <laughs> Listen, Yechavit doesn't know anyone who loves her either because they'd be putting her out of her misery. But all we need is $1,106. $6 at least brings Come us on, to 83900 We still have a bunch of listeners. Just, we just have a, donate. We have a ton of listeners. Yeah, got, first of all, I love this comment. I spent years in school in yeshiva. I've never, ever sat for this long. This is a morning Seder, by the way. This is a full morning Seder. We're ready for lunch and then Shia right after this. We got May of Esrim still listening to us. I'm impressed. Uh, I know Avi Feder is one of my colleagues at Yachad. Yes. Avi Feder, great guy. We love him. Went to Israel together. Um, Rebison Yachavid, favorite Sefer? I would say right now, Megillus Esther. So let me get this straight. Simone said Rabbi from Goldberg.org and you said Megillus Esther. I'm saying whatever we're into right now. So we're about to approach Purim and I've always been a fan of Megillus Esther and the Purim story. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, I'm into Rebecca Meyer. I'm right now. Favorite book. Favorite, favorite, favorite book. Yecheved. I'm going to go. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say goodnight. Okay. No, no, no. Simone, it could be like a favorite book. library. You got that book next to your nightstand. You have a favorite you book. Always want to share How the about this favorite genre of literature? <laughs> favorite genre of books? It's not I, a like, question. I mean, I, I like, I happen to like historical fiction, in particular World War II. That's something that I enjoy reading about. Yeah. What's yours? Um, I don't read fiction. I, all I read is uh, like self help, productivity books, biographies. I recently read a very interesting book called The Orchard, which we won't discuss now. But. Um, but I do read productivity, business, self-help type books. Um, Aliza, favorite genre of books? Uh, well, right now, just for therapy, I'm doing a lot of mindfulness stuff, trying to get more into that, helping people. Um, most of my clients right now are telehealth. So we're just really working on how to keep calm, reduce anxiety. I see a lot of people who are over 70 seems to be my client base at the moment. So a lot of them are on lockdown and are just still worried about Corona and, and different things. So we're working on how to keep calm and how to, you know, take time for themselves, even when they're alone with themselves all the time, right. but to do it on purpose. So I, I recommend getting into that. And I'm trying to take my own advice and do that for myself. That is well, good. Being our, friend who, our friend who watched behind the beam of the entire flight back um, is still sitting on the plane because they made an announcement they can't find yeah. someone to pull the bridge <laughs> up to the plane. And that means we get please sit tight. That means we we keep that going. If anyone knows how to operate a bridge of a plane and can make their way to Fort Lauderdale Airport right now, it would be greatly appreciated by us all. all right. uh, I'm going to no, 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 thank no. everyone we're, for a We're almost done. Night. We're almost done. We're winding down. I'm going to go and with your head. I'm going to go grab the plane. The women are going to leave. It was great hanging out with all of you. We need to do it more often. Fun night was had by all. Thank you, rabbis, for producing such wonderful content each week that we all tune in for. And um, and thank you, everyone who's still listening and who has or listening. It's already after, Thursday. Or, <laughs> what? Uh, just Thursday. Thursday. There are a hundred. There are one hundred and thirteen people still listening. Okay. There are one hundred thirteen people day. sitting in bed with saliva First coming of all, out of their mouth. As we're sitting, about to get sleeping. our second wind. We're about to get the Eretz Yisrael crowd. One thousand to go. That'd be great. Is anyone can they can you comment if you're from Eretz Israel right now? Yeah, comment if you're in Israel. Where's comment if you're in another time zone and you've just joined. Right. We got 115. We're going up in numbers right now. <laughs> Ooh, the night is young. This is awesome. We have just I see a coffee. Anyone want to make me a coffee here?
Yeah, we're getting started over here. Hold on, hold on. One second. I, just have to, I just have to change something important. I'm going to say goodnight, too. Hold on. But thank hold you on. again for having okay. me on Behind the Bima. <laughs> Simone, thanks for joining Simone, us. Simone, you're, you're a real I trooper. I want you to know, yeah. you did not tell us when we came on that it was going to be a two hours run tonight. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it was three, three, three hours. Three hours. Um, By the way, she said goodnight about four times already. She can't leave. She doesn't want to go. We are at 84,000. Do we have 1,000 more? Eric Israel, England, France, Australia, South Africa, everybody who just woke up on other continents and who have joined us live. That's yeah, we right. Take, uh, shekels, rands, we do it all, every yeah. currency. That's right. This is not a recording. We are still going. Perseverance and endurance. We are into the fourth hour right now. And a $5 donation just came in for me. Wait till Matthew Hockerman wakes up and checks this out. <laughs> He will not believe it. Wayne Schneider is going to check in another few minutes. He will not <laughs> believe it. You guys are still there? Still he will on. not believe it. He will not believe it. It's outstanding. Rate and review if you're listening on Cast Player. Check out beersonline.org slash global and dailygiving.org. You got to check it out. If you're not yet a member, sign up for dailygiving.org. It's really, first of all, nobody's sponsorship ever got as much plug because we've been doing it for three hours. Right. <laughs> and last and week, he sponsored last week also. And all of our dedicated yes. listeners, please call and email this uh, this uh, dollar a day and tell them you want all that money to go to BRS. Let them know. Let, <laughs> Let them know. know. Rabbi Moskowitz has pulled ahead, by the way. Rabbi Moskowitz is ahead <sighs> by like a few bucks. I right. can't do the math. It's too late at night. But, yeah. oh. What's that? Dave? Joel Spiro wants to know whether we're saying Akdamas when this ends. It's a great question. <laughs> She brings Stuart Silverman on. <laughs> We're going straight into the Akdamas. When I was in Karen Biavna, Rabbi Rel, you'll appreciate this. My first year in Karen Biavna was the Rosh Hashiva's last year, the Rav Goldberg Zatzal. The Rosh Hashiva used to sleep on Shavuos night, but then come in. And he had a Masora of a certain Akdamas that he led on Shavuos morning. And I'll never forget, staying up the entire night, we were all plotting. And the Rosh Hashiva had just slept the whole night. Again, it was a different age. He deserved it. Um, but he led an Akdamas. It was an Isayan. It was a test. It was not easy. Not I, easy. I always joke with uh, with the Chavron this morning that uh, we read Agdamas to feel to feel like we're Malachim because they don't understand the Aramaic either. There so. are some there are some cardinal sins in Judaism. Slow Agdamas is one of them. Singing Hallel Shavuos morning is a second one of them. Long drawn out Kabach on Friday night when Asara Batavis is a Friday is another one of them. What are the other cardinal sins in Judaism? Cardinal sins of Shul, right? Cardinal sins of Shul. Cardinal eating, sins of Shul life. Eating white fish and then coming up to the rabbi to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, because it ends up all over your face. <laughs> the other person's white fish ends up in your face. We got it. Yeah. Thank you to Alchanan. Five more dollars gets me that much closer to Rabbi Moskowitz. All right, here, I have a question for you, Rabbi Goldberg. What's something you've done recently that has brought tears to your eyes? Let's. That's every ten minutes. No, what it was it a was what, it a what doesn't a, bring a, tears to his eyes? Talking to someone was it a conversation with something that you read and the Shriers are still listening. All, it brings tears to my eyes that the Shriers are still listening. <laughs> I love the Shriers. Who the does greatest. not love the Shriers? Um, what is the, what are the things that bring tears to my right, guys? It's past the 12 mark, so I'm done. It's tomorrow. Yeah, it's You're the last woman standing. Yeah, oh, well, by the I'm way, carpool because my kids are still in quarantine, so I just have to deal with them for the entire day tomorrow. 
So yeah, they'll they'll so, be up in about fifteen minutes. That's correct. So As Rabbi Goldberg's thinking, don't forget we do cameos now. <laughs> I did one this past Sunday for a, a couple that was getting getting uh, having a wedding anniversary in Israel. Is that where your money came in from? Wow! No, I did it for free, but it's just if anyone well, wants a donation. cameo. Big well, we are we are four hundred ninety dollars away oh, from shutting down for the night. Thank you so much. Wow. Wow. That's so meaningful. Thank you for that generosity. That it means the world. Four hundred ninety dollars away. We are four hundred ninety dollars oh, away so from close. counting sheep. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I just checked. Alasa Shachar is at uh, five forty-four and 40, 40, 47 seconds. I think we could do it. We got it. No, we can do it. <laughs> we can do it. 544. There are stories. You hear stories of chesed. You hear stories of outstanding things that people do for other people, going above and beyond, digging deep, being there, yeah. showing up. And um, dig deep right now. You know, I know I, a woman shared with me about another woman that um, was struggling to get by and who had helped her financially, but the, the other woman was very proud and didn't want to take the money. And so the one who was helpful would go on um, the internet to check the tax. I guess it's public whether the taxes had been paid on the house and would just pay it without the friend even knowing it because they had too much pride and told that in passing not to flex at all and that, that moves you. That kind of stuff moves you. Talk about, again, the humanity, the heart, the soul. It moves you and it moves you to get to choked up. It moves you, it makes you get choked up to uh, to tears. What a video. My we... wife sent us around a video recently that I told her I wouldn't cry, but then, of course, I was sitting there bawling like a baby. No, but that's what we come back to. You know, people speak about the rabbinate and, and you know, we would spoke about the challenges a little bit tonight, but those are the beautiful parts. I mean, obviously, I know the story you're referring to as well, and uh, that was told to us recently. And that to me is the, we, you and I and, and the four of us were inspired regularly by stories that we hear, by acts of kindness that we see. And, and the most amazing part is, is 99.9% .9 of the acts of kindness that we're seeing nobody else is, knows about, right? We only mm. see it because of our, our position as rabbis, but the majority of the community has no clue how much chesed and the degree of the chesed and the sensitivity of the chesed that's taking place on a constant basis. And, and really, Baruch Hashem, the four of us are, have front row seats to it, and I think we're so much more enriched as a result of it. Amazing. Can I just say, I, I think Rails, Rails figured out a way to put a video of himself there. I don't think he's really awake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, yeah, don't worry. Yeah, that's part he's of the there. video he made. It's true. It's he true. says it every few seconds to say that he's still there. I have a student that did that. He made a looping video of himself. <laughs> we just got, we just got, I don't know, it's anonymous, but a great message on the donation. I don't know if you could put that up, Rabbi Goldberg, from Give Butter. But um, to the rabbis who managed to create such an incredible community of Achtas, thank you. The only show where you can hear a Zionist vort mentioning Herzl in between Mincha Marav and right after have a chassid get up and daven Marav for the Amr, right after. And yes, that's a true story from BRS. So we are very that proud of our diversity. And uh, that is that is a great story. And thank you. I've got a message from BRS West. Go Rabbi Blumenthal. Nice. Woohoo! Nice. We are uh, we are in our fourth hour, and uh, <laughs> we're just we're just getting started. Four hundred forty dollars left. Four hundred forty dollars left, and I'm going to. I'm going to prepare my tail Just, just a little while until we're milchicks. Doesn't stream <laughs> Doesn't Streamyard give you like a? Hold limit? on, hold on. This is big. What's about to happen? Oh no! What's this about is big. to happen? Are you ready? Are you yeah. ready? 
Yeah, we got it. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it is with great pride that we wow. are welcoming the BRS amazing. staff member who Whoa. lives in Israel who just woke up. Rob Shore. Rob. Robert Rob Shore. I finished dominating already. I'm actually past Shachas already. That is amazing. <laughs> well, we're, that's that's we're how long we are dead. going. This is wild. What's going on? Why are you guys still on? What's going on? <laughs> because we're we're BRS Global campaign. We're up to Rob. Wow. While you slept, we were bringing in the dough. We're up to wow. almost eighty five thousand dollars, eighty five percent of our goal. We're pushing dailygiving.org, our great sponsor <laughs> from last night into this wow. morning. And um, Rob, so Rob is is one of the world's greatest graphic designers, creative minds, visionaries, marketing uh, experts. Marketing expert, of course, primarily works for our beloved Yeshiva University but is a major part of the BRS team and everything you see coming out of BRS. The Weekly, he is the editor-in-chief of the BRS Weekly. Rob, tell our listeners, I want to, these numbers are mind-boggling. There are 900 members of BRS local, and now we're up to over 660 members of BRS wow. global. People wow. who are not members of BRS don't necessarily live in Boca, likely don't live anywhere near Boca, but who connect with what we do. And we want to provide them some content Tell them what we're going to be giving them with the uh, join the BRS Global. You're going to be on a special email list, and you're going to get what? It's going to be a new edition of the BRS Weekly. Um, it's going to be feature, you know, featured uh, content stuff you're not going to get, uh, you know, anywhere else. Um, it's going to be. Uh, it's just going to make your Shabbos table. It's going to be. It's going to change your whole Shabbos. It's it's really incredible where it was coming out, and it's, it's really unique. You can, yeah. I'll tell you, for this, you can give like 50 cents, like most of Rabbi Moskowitz's supporters, or you can give $1,800, like Rabbi Brody's supporters. It's not a matter of how much you give. As long as you give, you're a member of the global community, you'll be on this email list, you'll get this special newsletter that you will not, you will not want to miss printing it out. It will make your Shabbos table, and Rob is the one who's going to make it all happen. Rob is a, a graphic design genius. Rob, tell yeah. us about where you are right now. So uh, we live in Ramat Beit Shemesh, which is, uh, I like to say, the RBS-BRS uh, connection is very strong. Um, and, uh, you know, we moved here about 10 years ago. So I'm in my basement right now. If you could tell, there's not a fake background. Um, and you could tell I'm not a rabbi because I'm the only one that doesn't have Svarm in the background. I apologize for that. I, should have pushed, I probably should have put like a fake uh, background <laughs> or something. But uh, there's a layman here. Um, but yeah, it's great. We, you know, we're here. We're trying. To, we're hoping to get out of uh, our our lockdown very soon. Things are exciting here in Israel. You know, with vaccines. Right. And uh, it's it's an exciting time to be here. You know. It's now, great. Rob, you and I have known each other for many years. We worked together at YU, and, and now and I have a very long history together. We have stories history. that will never get out to light a day. You know. That is that is right. And you, I I consider you one of the most talented people that I know. Did you always have that talent growing up? Did you always knew that you had this this talent, this artistic ability? Was graphic design always the path you were going down? At what point did you decide that you were going to make a career and a living out of this? Uh, I'll tell you, it's, it, I never planned doing this. I was always a uh, community programming guy. That's what I do for YU. A lot of, you know, I, I run programs for YU. I ran a lot of programs for YU. Uh, but then I married a graphic designer, and uh, she opened my eyes to the world of graphic design, and it's amazing. So it's, you know, especially coming to Israel, when we moved to Israel, so YU was very accommodating to me and let me uh, rearrange my responsibilities to, um, to uh, you know, do more stuff that was online, which included graphic design. And then Shul started hearing about it, and then one thing led to another, and and it's amazing. Uh, it's really uh, you know Hashem took care of me, and uh, so it just it kind of really fell into my lap. I you know usually hear those stories, and they're like, oh, it's that guy, and then that happened to me. But it really does happen sometimes. Where you have these Tell us about stories. Aliyah. What's Aliyah been? Aliyah's like? hard. Aliyah's hard. I, I hope people come. I hear the rumors that a lot of people coming this summer, but uh, it is hard. I, I don't want to discourage anybody, but it's. Um, 
you know, America is, you know, America is, is a great, an amazing place. I definitely um, would never, you know, it's, I don't know what we're, you know, we, we have to jump in. We really jumped in without thinking too much about it. And uh, we're, I don't know how we, if we'd ever be able to do it again. Uh, it's, it's hard, but it's amazing. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I think I'm really happy we're here. Um, what my kids are getting, you know, is just, I, I, I could never imagine my kids doing what they're doing now in America. It's, it, the, the opportunities here are amazing and the, uh, the, just the environment is amazing. Uh, I'm not, you know, I want to encourage everybody to come to, to Israel. I definitely want to encourage everybody. And there's no, re, there's no question that everyone should be thinking about it. Um, but everyone should be thinking about it with, with two eyes open and realize that it's a, it's a big transition to move anywhere. So uh, moving to Israel is, is a big deal. Um, but is, again, I can't say enough. Israel's amazing. Uh, and uh, everyone should, especially Rabbi Chemish. I personally think Rabbi Chemish, I've never been to Boca. The, the, the dirty secrets. I've actually never been to Boca Raton in my life. Um, mm, you know, wow. It's really bad. I had planned, I had all, I had all these plans to come. And then Corona hit. Oh, and then, we have uh, the global community. You don't have to be. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the chief member of the global community here. I feel mm-hmm. like I was the pioneering member. Um, but um, so, you know, but besides, besides for Boca, you know, Beit Shemesh is the, the greatest city I could ever imagine. Uh, it's, it's, you know, you're talking about Achtos. I mean, like this is Achtos. Uh, this is like, you know, it's, it's um, you're living side by side with every single type of Jew you could possibly imagine. Uh, and, and there's just no, I've never had any experience like that in America. That uh, even comes close to that. It's just, it's incredible. It's it's really beautiful. Um, Ron, and when you come, you have to. When you come, you got to bring your exercise clothing. If you're a big staff meeting, we're going to bring in a trainer. <laughs> you know, that's one thing. I, you know, and apparently, a, a running in Boca is, is very flat. That's that's one of the things I'm dying to try. I actually do run a lot um, in Bo- in Ramat Bichemish, but I think it's like Ramat Bichemish and all this are somehow is like one of those Escher uh, sketches where like everything's uphill, no matter which way you go. It's always <laughs> hills, 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 hills. So I hear I hear Boca is very flat, which is amazing. I'm dying to try it. I hear it's, it's a lot easier to run there, so I'm really dying Tell to try that. Tell us about so. the. Uh... What, what's the feeling in, in Eretz Yisrael right now in Israel? Um, the lockdown is over and, and they're going to be opening up some more things. On the other hand, the numbers are still scary. The, the new variant on the, on the virus is out there. Yet so many people are vaccinated. It feels like Israel is going to be the very first country that's going to turn some sense of normalcy. So, you know, are people frustrated? Are they, are they ready to still bear down to do what they need to? Is there a feeling like most people are vaccinated? Why are we still being careful? When will the airports open? When will we be able to visit right. again? It's a great question. Uh, yeah, I think Israel was not meant for rules. Like, I don't think they realize that it's not a good idea to make rules in Israel for people to, you know, keep, to keep. Um, it, it's, 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 um, it, it, the feeling is definitely positive right now. People are definitely feeling like things are opening up, things are getting better, things are uh, on the up and up. Uh, I'm hoping, you know, my kids have been out of school for the past, I think, five weeks. So I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that they're going to be, open, they're coming back to school on Sunday, uh, which is very exciting. Um, so I think that the feeling is definitely good. In terms of the airports, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these decisions are political. You know, like you had uh, Naftali Bennett on last week, and he was right. If he becomes prime minister, he'll open the, the, the airports in a month. Uh, it's a political decision at this point. Uh, basically, you know, people like someone, someone said that the government has their, has the ability right now to decide that we can live with this right now or not. Like it's basically up to the government. There's no facts. There's no hard numbers like it just is what it is right now at this point. Um, but uh, it's definitely I think that it definitely is a feeling, positive feeling. And I'm hoping people will be able to come. I'm dying for you guys to come. I'm dying for my my family to come visit. I'm dying to come visit my family uh, in America. So it's definitely it's definitely positive. I I say everyone should start looking to book tickets because it's really cheap right now to book tickets. Uh, I would definitely say it's worthwhile buying some tickets and you know getting some extra ones just in case. It's so cheap. It's amazing. So Delta and United, Delta and United announced today that they're um, they're going to be flying as well as LL. They're open to go. I can tell you, I bought United tickets. We're going in July, hopefully. We bought for six hundred and twenty-five dollars a ticket. Right. Wow. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So time. buy now. Keep it's Time to come home. 
it's time to come home, but wait for the summer because I'd like to get one more trip in, you know, to, to America before that happens, you know? We are $260 away from $85,000. $260. Robin Moskowitz can be put out of his misery. He can go to sleep for the night. $260. <laughs> so yeah, this, the longest I've sat, this is the longest I've sat in a BRS meeting in 11 years, for sure. $260. In honor of Robin Moskowitz. So we are now $160 away. Oh, $160 away. And Robin Moskowitz has pulled ahead of Rabbi Brody again. Oh, my gosh. So, Rabbi Thank Brody, you need some love here, Rabbi Brody. Benji, what are you doing to me over here? Come on. He's, he's, he, he heard my wife's on, Lawrence, Lawrence. He had to take care. I understand. I understand. Right. Rob, what's the best part of working for BRS? You're obviously uh, one of the... It's, you guys are you know incredibly creative. It's amazing. It's, um, it's, a, it's a huge operation. There's so much going on. It's just never a dull moment. Um, it's great. It's really, um, it's just, it's a big privilege to be part of BRS. It's very few, you know, there are, you know, I won't say it's the only shul, but it's one of the few shuls that are doing what they're doing, which is making such a big impact on the community, even beyond the walls. It's a, it's a major, you know, I have a lot of good stories. I, I like to, you know, I, I kind of brag. I use the bragging rights when I talk to other people. Oh yeah, you know, I was on the, I was in a meeting with Barry Goldberg with, with Barry Paskowitz <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can tell you what's going on, what's coming down the pike, you know, it's very exciting. <laughs> can, you know. It's great. It's great to have Inside you. And you're not going to believe this, but. Look who else wow. is joining us. Oh, wow. Just wow. when you think we're calling it a night. <laughs> wow. Listen, when you're a COO, chief operating officer, you're in the car. You're just coming home from work at 1220 at night when you're helping to run Boca Raton. <laughs> yeah, wow. Jeffrey, where are you? I, I, I'm leaving the office. It was just like a really long day. Wow. So, let's just say that they found someone to bring the bridge to the plane. Baruch well, in $160, I'm leaving the office also. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, there's somebody out there. Somebody out there who's not giving. There's got to be a Shrier left who's going to allow me to wants to, to go be to part of the tonight. Booker Talk Synagogue <laughs> global community. But um, Rob, you're amazing. You're a great asset to us. And Thanks for bringing me on. This is like my, my bucket list here. This is amazing. You know, <laughs> the Avir de Eretz Israel. You bring our community. We all want to be with you. We will be with you one day. Looking one day forward. soon. Thanks so much. So we love we love everything you're doing. And Jeffrey, tell great. us how you're doing. Jeffrey, we, we brought you on the night that you were announcing that you were joining the team at BRS. What's it been like your first couple months? It's been great. It's been great. I was definitely a lot more nervous uh, that night than I am right now. You know, now I know you all, and you know it's a, I feel feel much more part of the team, much more part of the family. I'm um, really, really loving it. Not going to lie, the job is hard, but you know it's very rewarding. Um, very different experience than anything that I've done in the past, but I really, really enjoy it, and I couldn't be happier. What's an we unexpected so thing? You. What's an unexpected thing that you, that, you, that you didn't realize was going to happen, that you found out about BRS after you started working? What's been an unexpected surprise of working with us for the last three months? I wouldn't say it was unexpected. It was, it was kind of spoken about a lot, but, you know, just the uh, family, uh, family balancing. Definitely a, definitely a hard, hard thing to still get used to. Um, you know, no, one, no one's at fault. You know, everyone's always pushing me, you know, turn off the phone, do, do what you need to do. But uh, it's, it's a challenge and it's something that we're going to work through. But uh, like I said, I couldn't be happier. Family's great and everyone, everyone's really enjoying it. So thank you all. That's amazing. You're a great asset to us. We just got another $36. Um, for some reason, it came in Rabbi oh, Brody's merit, although it's based on a story Rabbi Moskowitz told. That's, so the, that's what happened. The Yeshiva, the Velazhin Yeshiva has just donated $36. I tell the story and he gets the donation. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. I got a donation. I'm just going back over all these donations from Gary Delabate. That's pretty cool. Wow. Rabbi Moskowitz, wow. if you want donations from Velozhin, you have to uh, go to Nairi Shell. That's it. 
<laughs> no, the, what, the reason why they're doing that is probably when I give the afternoon the cola each week, when I do the afternoon cola each week, we do a different, we do a background of a different yeshiva around the world. <laughs> so uh, I think this week was Panovich, but we have a good time, the afternoon Hebron and and I. We are $124 away from night sleep. Now, I'll tell you, I can put us all to sleep, not just by giving a drusha. I'll tell you, I can put us all to sleep. I still have in my drawer at home, when when we took our fly in to see this Square Rebbe, he gave That's me $300 right. cash as a donation booker at the synagogue. Square Rebbe said, I hear wonderful things are happening. I want to support the beautiful Torah. Here's $300. And I didn't know what to do with that money. So we could use 124 of it to go to sleep right now. <laughs> Please. Is there anyone else? $124. $200 would put me in front of Rabbi Moskowitz and we could all go to sleep right now. No way. I will not end the night. Yes. Yeah, $200, $200 would put you in front by $5. What do I need? Um, no, it won't. Where? I'll be where are the schnitzel guys? $206 would yeah, give me a $1 there. lead. $206 and we are going to sleep. We have, an, we have I amazing need, I need some schnitzel guys. I need, I need Don Carmel. Two hundred six dollars and Lila Tove. <laughs> All right. I want to thank our six hundred good night, everybody. Supporters. Almost. We're gonna we're gonna use the old rounding policy right now. Round up to eighty five thousand dollars. But what a night been. Thank you to the Shabtai, the Blumenthal's, the Moskowitz's. Thank you to Rav Simi Shabtai. Unfortunately, the technology didn't work out. Rabbi Eli Zions, please, God, we're going to have him on in the uh, future. And I'm so glad Jeffrey was able to make it. Rob was able to make it. Really got this, people get a sense of the team. Anyone who stayed with us this entire time, we are three and a half hours into this. Really, I don't even know what to we say. We owe you money at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should be paying you to stand. If you're listening on a podcast player, don't forget to rate and review. If you're on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. BeerSonline.org slash global. Help us make our goal. And of course, don't forget to go to dailygiving.org. Follow us on Twitter. Sign up. Yeah, follow us on Twitter, all social media. It's been fun. We should bring on Maish Francesa now. Maish Francesa. Is he awake, Maish? I don't know. I don't know where he lives, so it's hard to know. Let's hear. We'll get a little controversial to close this out. Should we do that or just quit while we're here? Yeah, end with controversy. Who did we want to have from Israel? Because now we can have them. You know, it's always complicated with the time difference. Right. Oh, they're up. We could just bring someone on. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Who could we bring on? That's a good idea. Who's in Tanyao's office now? Yeah. (laughs) No, we're going to get that in prime time. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Listen, it's an election. You got to be on behind the beam if you can get elected. Exactly. (laughs) It's like meet the press. Oh, we're good. Yeah. We're doing the uh, questions. What are they? The debate. <laughs> we're the mo- we're the moderators for the first debate. <laughs> Ooh, one of my AirPods just went. See now you know what it now, ah! now it felt like. The other AirPod. The other AirPods. Three and a half hours in. Mine uh, went out. You saw me and my wife awkwardly trying to figure out how to get these into our ears, but uh, we figured it out. Although Rabbi Moskowitz, your AirPods have probably recharged all the way by now. They're all charged up. They're all charged up. <laughs> Let's go two hundred and six dollars away from calling it a night. What an absolute great night has been. Oh, Rafi Aguilar, my new great friend. Thank you. Out in LA, three hours behind, so it's still early for him. I don't know what games he has yet to catch tonight, but hopefully they're good games so that we can oh, finish this out. We made it. Oh, we got a bedtime mazel tov. We got it. We're done. We got a bedtime mazel tov. There it is. Eighty-five thousand. 
Breaking news. Breaking news. Still behind Ladies Mas, and gentlemen, but it's very close. <laughs> to those stay, in the United stay, States, thank you. To those in oh, Israel, have a great wow. day. If you're listening on a podcast, play, rate, and review. Listening on YouTube, subscribe. Everyone else, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. Thank you for sticking with us this whole night. Dailygiving.org, brsonline.org slash global. We love you. Have a fantastic night. Thank you for listening to Behind the Bima. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week for another peek behind the Bima.